guys? Are my parents seriously going to get divorced? All right, Rick, I'm going to go to my... Uh, not so fast, Morty. You heard your mom. We've got adventures to go on, Morty. Just you and me. And sometimes your sister and sometimes your mom. But never your dad. You want to know why, Morty? Because he crossed me. Okay, take it easy, Rick. That, that, that's dark. Oh, it gets darker, Morty. Welcome to the darkest year of our adventures. First thing that's different, no more dad, Morty. Oh, he threatened to turn me into the government, so I made him and the government go away. Oh, I've replaced them both as the de facto patriarch of your family and your universe. Your mom wouldn't have accepted oh, me if I came home without you and your sister. So now you know the real reason I rescued you. Oh, I just took over the family, Morty. And if you tell your mom or sister oh, I said any of this, I'll deny it. And they'll take my I'll side because it. I'm a hero, Morty. And now you're going to have to go and do whatever I say, Morty, forever. And, I'll, and I'll, I'll go out and I'll find some more of that Mulan Szechuan teriyaki dipping sauce, Morty. Because that's that's what this is all about, Morty. That's my one-armed man. I'm not driven by avenging my dead family, Morty. That was fake. I'm driven by finding that McNugget sauce. I want that Mulan McNugget sauce, Morty. That's my series arc, Morty. If it takes nine seasons, I want my McNugget tipping sauce, Szechuan sauce, Morty. That's what's going to take us all the way to the end, Morty. Season nine more seasons, Morty. Nine more seasons until I get that dipping Szechuan sauce. For 97 more years, Morty. I want that McNugget sauce, Morty. Episode 182. There's already like 7 million podcasts. It's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And you're the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Hi, this is Mike Zapsik from AMC's Comic Book Man, and you're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. And I'm Jake. And we're the le- No, Jake's not here. We got Frank. Stop! Hammer time! Welcome, Frank. You're joining me. And we're also joined, not only, we're going to get a little help from the Army since we don't have Jake this week. We're also joined by Mr. Jared Gafford. I'm going to play his bumper here. This guy puts the big D in D.C. And the C liked it multiple uh, times. Uh, it's Jared Gafford. Jared, welcome back to the show, man. Hey, how's it going, guys? It's going good. It's going good. <laughs> when, when was the last episode we had you on? I know we were uh, we had a little bit of D.C. argument. Yeah, that was. I think it was a couple months ago. Yeah, it was a couple months ago. But yeah, welcome back. And then first time Thanks. guest on the uh, podcast, welcome Rebecca Daling. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You know, it, you, you've just been, you've been pumping out you've been pumping out more episodes of the Leftover <laughs> Army podcast than that Duggar lady was pumping out fucking kids. Jeez. <laughs> I aim to please. I am to please. Um, it's just worked out that way. We, we've had a lot of people who are excited to talk about movies and uh, different topics and stuff, and they've yeah. been available. So uh, we've just been making these episodes. You don't, have, you don't have to defend yourself to me. That's fine. You do what you want to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't get all defensive and shit. Jesus. We're off, to, we're off on the wrong foot already. I'm kidding. I'm fucking no, with you. No, I, I'm messing with you. I'm messing with you. No, I've had a lot of fun listening to those episodes, so I'm not. I'm not pissing and moaning Thanks. over here. With 19 kids, apparently that Duggar lady aims to please too. Oh, Frank, have you been holding that one in the whole time? 
Have you been holding that joke in the whole time? I've just been waiting my turn. Yeah, yeah, you've been waiting for a little break. Yeah, looking for a looking for a place to squeeze in just like her husband, eh? Yeah? Hey, after 19 kids, there's an easy place to squeeze in. Oh, yeah. yeah there ain't no squeezing about it, like it's, throwing a hot dog that all way. It's like, uh, <laughs> like entering Stargate. No, it's like entering the door of the TARDIS. It's a lot bigger on the inside. Okay, yeah. okay. As, as the only woman here, ouch, that's got to hurt. Like after 19 kids, what the hell? That is just, no. Well, after probably like the fourth month, she's probably locked up on bed rest and hold her legs in the air because they probably just fall out, right? After 19. <laughs> I walked out as like three-year-olds. I'd say after the 12th kid, they just hooked up a conveyor belt to her vagina. <laughs> Oh god! Mm. Uh, oh, wow, wow, things got a little awkward there. No, <laughs> no, I'm trying just, to catch her husband and coming in through the back door. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, welcome to episode one eighty two. Off to a uh, raring start from the get. Um, uh, no Jake this week, so uh, Jake's got some uh, things going on this week, and so we want to. Wanted, I wanted to make sure that he didn't feel like he needed to be here to to do this bullshit and just kind of take the week off and uh, recoup and everything. So, um, yeah, no Jake this week. Sith Lord 49, I don't know if he could take much more. We wanted to give him a break, too. So. And, I think he just popped an erection finding out Jake's not here. He's like, all right, I can enjoy this one. Frank, seriously? <laughs> All right. Um, so, uh, also, uh, I want to send good thoughts out to uh, our buddy Jordan from the Supercast. He was um, admitted into the hospital yesterday, but um, you know, I got a text from him today, and uh, he's been texting me on and off today, and he's he's in good spirits and he's feeling better. So that is great news. So, Jordan, uh, wish you yeah. a speedy recovery, awesome. so you can come back and start podcasting again. Because I know I enjoy listening to the Supercast. Him and Joe Vitale, and then they got their uh, their new co-host, uh, new sidekick, as they call him, David Isaac. So, yeah, so get well, Jordan. We all we all care and love you. We all care for you and love you, sir. So get well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do feel better. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, let's see here. Uh, how's everybody doing? Uh, what, uh, Jared? What have you been up to, man? Uh, I we were talking about it briefly before we started, but I have been getting really into like the whole anime manga thing recently. Um, so I've been getting lots of recommendations from lots of people, watching lots of new stuff, and um, reading lots of new stuff. So other than that, I mean, work is boring. Um, my wife and I are kind of taking a break from the house hunting for a while, just because um. Uh, the market's crazy right now and we're just exhausted so yeah other than that um i've been working on just writing and just kind of doing my own thing so are you still are you uh writing for uh the comic renegade um that is actually um it's almost done uh listen to listen to george rr R. martin over here bullshit <laughs> <laughs> no, for, for real. I had I had I had to switch letterers. Um, which actually, I think you do you know Jeremiah Lambert? I know of Jeremiah. Uh, Jay okay. Jay, uh, former co-host on the show. Jay uh, knows him quite well. Okay, um, so Jeremiah is now doing the lettering for it, um, and he's he's doing it um, for me at a at a really 
good. He's he's just hooking me up. Um, so he's we've got about 13 pages of that done. We've got or 14 pages. We've got seven pages to go. So I'm ho- hoping to have it done here soon. Um, but yeah, that I I wrote a Batman short story recently that I um, released uh, on our on my podcast page and released it as kind of a, a short audio book. So that was kind of cool. But yeah, very cool, very cool. Rebecca, how you been? Good. Um, I don't do anything as interesting as Jared does, but um, I have been in training for a half marathon at the end of this month. So that that was mostly what I was doing last month and most of this month. Don't, I've just been don't under don't undersell that. You, <laughs> you ran or walked a hundred miles in a month. That's insane. Yeah, I did this. Uh, yeah, I did a hundred miles in March challenge and. Um, so that was it was it was t- tiring. It was a lot of fun though. I, I pushed myself, and that's all like for the in uh, preparation for the half marathon. Um, other than that, um, between just that and work, been trying to get to the movies and see stuff as much as possible. Um, reading, uh, reading and catching up on some comic books. Um, that's about it. You know, I, you're uh, if you do get a bumper, if I make you a bumper, it's going to be uh, the Proclaimers. Uh-huh. I would walk 500 miles. <laughs> I love yeah. it. That's awesome. Yes, I love it. You know, like that song, I absolutely, I think like the first couple times I liked it. And then when the radio decided to play it 500 times, you know, I was just like, I'm done with it. Just like 500 yeah. miles, they played it 500 times. Now I can appreciate it because I look back on the 90s fondly. When I was in the 90s, I hated the 90s. Isn't that weird? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the '90s, I missed the '80s, and now that I now that now that I'm like 20 years removed, I look back fondly on the '90s. It's fucked up. <laughs> no, no time's gone by between now and the remake of the Brady Bunch than the remake of the Brady Bunch in the original show. The Sandlot is 24 years old today. Really? Old enough to have kid and yeah, yeah, it's insane. What is this? Just like, this is just like is this just like spout out a random fact m- moment? I mean, I mean it, it, it was so fucking weird. I was like, oh my god, I didn't know like half of the fucking cast is autistic. What the hell is going on here? Definitely time for opener. Oh my god, that was, I'm sorry. I just found that funny. Um, oh man. All right, good shit. Hey, are you? You guys ready to jump into Good Pop, Bad Pop? Let's yeah. do it. Oh, you know, before I jump into that real quick, I want to thank uh, – I've got a new Patreon patron, uh, Zach Holder. Thank you so much for joining up. And I want to apologize to everybody else. I'm going to start getting out the Patreon stuff very soon. It's like one of those things I've been slacking on it. i got a lot of that shit going on, and it's only kind of like me doing it right now. So I am going to get on it, get bumpers made, get things done. So don't worry about it. And I want to thank everybody for the continued support. Uh, so thank you so much, and thank you, Zach Holder, for signing up. All right, let's jump into Good Pop, Bad Pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we've either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening to the podcast, I want you to be familiar with the rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. 
if all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. You know, I've been saying that fucking shit for like 182 episodes. Do you notice how it just like rolls off the tongue like I'm just like in cruise control when I say that shit? <laughs> you ever notice that now the, the fucked up thing is frank has heard me say it 180 times if i asked him to do it he'd stumble oh yeah i would <laughs> <laughs> frank do it do it uh, introduce good pop bad pop oh god uh... <laughs> <laughs> and, and now it's time to watch no <laughs> <laughs> now it's time to watch a guy fucking dive bomb Oh my god, crash and burn. <laughs> crash and burn. All right. Uh Frank, I'm going to you know what? It's going to be me and you leading this next discussion because we're going to be talking real I want to talk real quickly about the Walking Dead season 7 finale. And uh yeah, we've been watching the entire season. We we know we talked about the uh first episode. I don't know if we really talked about it much since then. And uh, what did you think of the Walking Dead season 7 finale? It went an hour and a half. Yeah, um, I liked it. I liked it quite a bit, although my thoughts on the whole season are not as good as, like, the first episode and this, like, <laughs> last one. Um, I, I kind of saw some stuff coming. We're, are we going to get spoilery with it? Uh, I mean, if you want to, I'll play the spoiler warning. Yeah, I probably should. Spoiler warning. This is a pop culture leftovers spoiler warning. Today's forecast calls for spoilers straight in your dickhole. You have been warned, spoiler pussies. I mean, it's been out a week, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if people were really wanting to watch it, they probably have already watched it by now. And if not, social media has already ruined some shit for them. Yeah, it did have the lowest ratings of a Walking Dead season finale in five years, I think they said. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it kind of makes sense, too, because, I mean, to be honest... And I'm not getting swayed by all these Walking Dead hipsters, the guys that hate the TV show. Yeah. This season, really, they they I feel like they sat down in the writers' room and were like, "Okay, well, this is what we got. This is where we want to get to. So, how are we going to fill in all the rest of the episodes?" Yeah. We had a lot of filler, but this this finale uh, was really good. It starts off with uh, Sasha in uh enclosed space and you don't know what's going on so it's like it kind of bounce back and forth between her in the space and uh some flashback stuff and you end up finding out that she's in a casket that uh negan has brought to alexandria to try to make a point and try to get everybody put back under his thumb and uh, there was that uh, cyanide caplet or whatever. As soon as they popped the uh, casket and you actually got to see it, I'm like, she took it. She's dead. She's going to come out of Walker. I called it right as the show was going on. And that that's sure enough what happened. I mean, it had a lot of action to it, and it was good. It's just I felt like it lacked impact just because the regular season was such a fucking slog. Like, you had a killer opening episode and a really good last one, but most of what was in between was really kind of dull. Yeah, yeah, I think, um, I, I agree with you. I think the opener was pretty good. Everything in the middle was, you know, either low-tasted or tasted range. And then we got mm -hmm. a great finale. I thought it was a really good finale. Um, my question to you is, and this is kind of spoiler, uh, does Dwight know? Did Dwight know? Is Dwight in on it with Negan, or is Dwight still part of? Uh, is he is he going to hold up his promise to the gang? 
I think he's trying to hold up his promise because he left that little statuette hidden. Yes. Just didn't know written on it. Right. And then on the flip side, uh, you got uh, Eugene, who I really feel like he's completely or at least was completely invested in Negan's camp. Yeah, I do too. And then at the very end, like, he covered for himself real good because Negan kind of wondered how she died in there. And he's like, well, they sealed it up pretty good. She ran out of air. He uh, he, he's all about he's all, nothing. He's all about self-preservation. That's the whole reason he is Negan now. You know, I am Negan. So, like, he's yeah. all about self-preservation. So he's going to say whatever he can say to keep, you know, himself from getting, uh, from getting you know, killed. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed the finale, but like you said, I mean, everything in between was just kind of like, yeah, you know, I don't know. Not the best season I really overall. I they shortened the season count, or the episode count. I know they won't because of the advertising with it. Yeah. But How many episodes do they do? 16 now. Like six, 16? Okay. Yeah, I think it went, the first season was six episodes. Second season, I think, went 12. And then, yeah. uh, and then uh, they've been 16 ever since from three on, so... I don't know. It's one of those things I think they're running into that problem where you've got so many people in the group that are split up. And so when they're split up, they are taking each episode to like a different camp. You know, we've got the kingdom. Right. We've got the hilltop. We've got Alexandria. Now we got to go to Negan's. It's like, fuck, you're taking you're, – you're, you're going in different directions with all these characters. And so you're not getting enough of the characters that you love. And um, I don't know. It's been a problem. They're talking about doing a time jump next season, Frank. Have you heard about this? No, I haven't heard about that. Yeah, I read some articles today. They're talking about maybe doing a time jump. I guess there was a time jump in the comics, but they're going to do it a little bit differently. It's all talk right now, all speculation. But, uh, yeah, talking about doing a little bit of a time jump, moving the story forward along. I, I don't know. I don't know, man. Uh, but I – they. You know, I think Scott Gimple's got to do something to turn the ship around because, like, I, I still think it's a very popular show. I mean, a lot of people are watching it still, but it's losing fucking steam, you know? Yeah. I mean, really, if they were – and they won't do it, but if they would trim the episode countdown from 16 to 10, yeah, you'd get – like, every episode would probably deliver the goods then. Yeah. And we've got a lot of shows that have gone this route. I mean, a lot of them aren't, like, on network television with advertising. you got, like, Game of Thrones and Westworld and that, where it shows, like, that 10-episode 10-episode season is, like, the sweet spot. But if they don't get the, get this moving along next season, it's going to start heading downhill. They'll start losing major viewership. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, you're, you're absolutely right. I, and I think they've seen it this season. And, you know, you'd think that, you'd think that with uh, adding Jeffrey Dean Morgan – that it would have been a huge season for him, you know? I don't know. Well, yeah, but it, it, that goes right back to what you were saying when everything's spread out. Yeah. Like, you, you'd get him, but... Oh, and they, they fucking... They, the whole episode. They neutered Daryl for 75% of the season. Yeah, yeah. It, it was... It, it took them way too long to finally get Rick his balls back. Yeah. They spent way too much time with the mopey, where the beat dog bullshit. You could have spent one or two episodes doing that, but not fucking half the season. Yeah. Hey, you guys hear so. that uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan uh, looks like he's going to be joining the uh, Dwayne Johnson uh, Rampage movie. Oh, oh shit! Gosh. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I don't know, man. I think it's going to make it still it, happening. It's still happening, dude. I think it's going to make a <laughs> shit. I think it's going to make a shit ton of money, Gafford. I do. You th- you think so, dude? San Andreas, fuck anything the Rock touches. 
is just yeah. like hundred million dollar movie every time, yeah. dude. This Baywatch thing's gonna blow up. I guarantee you. I mean, they've got the what? Are the, okay, here's the uh, here's the uh, equation. It's fucking uh, the Rock and then uh, shirtless Zac Efron for the ladies. I mean, it's gonna make so much fucking money. Yeah. Did you see the poster for that shit? No, what's the poster? It's a pair of beach balls with a surfboard sticking in the sand out of it. it looks like a giant dick and balls. <laughs> I'm, I can't believe you noticed that, Frank. I can't, <laughs> can't believe that that was on your radar. So this is the second time you've brought up an erection on the show. <laughs> well, it's Saturday night and you guys aren't here, so. Yeah, some, somewhere somebody out there's got a Frank drinking game and they're already starting to get a little tipsy, so. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, let's, uh, let's move on into somebody else's week. Um, who wants to, who wants to go next? Rebecca, you can go. All right. Um, I read issue one of a new comic called Savage Things from Vertigo. Um, it's written by, doesn't get really too specific on the cover. It just says Jordan, Mustafa, and Boyd. Um, so this, this is just issue one here. Um, this is actually a really interesting story. I'm going to give this a solid, I'm going to give this a solid taste it. Um, basically it's, it's the story this, we're introduced to this kid. It's kind of a pyromaniac, uh, comes home and he finds his parents uh, have been murdered. And sitting in the living room, calm as anything, is the guy who who killed them. And the kid's like, uh, what's going on here? Who are you, obviously? And the guy's like, uh, we know that you're basically the sociopath in training. You're going to become a sociopath when you're older. And so we want to grab you now and send you to this special school. And he takes this kid and he brings him to the school with all these other, like, psychopathic kids. Um, and they're basically in school to become assassins. And it's a really interesting first issue. It really grabbed me with that whole storyline. It, it kind of flips back and forth between with the kid and then in present times there's been a murder and there's, like, a mysterious clue left. Um I'm definitely going to pick up issue two when it comes hmm. out uh, to see where the story goes. Uh, the art is really, really cool. Um, and the storyline promises to be something pretty interesting. This is so, crazy. Um, that sounds yeah. nuts. It's like, I don't know. At first I was thinking to myself, like, how interesting can it be to have a story where your main character you're following is a sociopath, but on the flip side, people watch Dexter for like nine fucking seasons. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, did, did, did you say that it was Jordan on that? Do you know if that's Justin Jordan? You know, ah, uh, gosh, I don't know. It just has the last names on the cover. If Justin Jordan does a book called Luther Strode, um, The Strange Tales of <laughs> Luther Strode, which is a, a really solid, um, yeah, I think it's an image book. Um, so, yeah, if Justin Jordan, yeah. if that's who that is, I'm totally down to check out this book. It sounds super interesting. He does uh, spread. It, it really is. Yeah, he does spread, too. Yeah, it's a great movie. And no, I'm not talking yeah. about I'm not talking about the Duggar mom again, guys. <laughs> oh thank God, I thought you were bird right there. She needs one leg peanut butter and the other one jelly because it spreads so good. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> uh, uh, Rebecca, what were you saying? Non uh, non snack related. Non snack sex related? Yes, I. <laughs> 
So just uh, basically that this this issue was interesting enough for me to say, you know, I'm definitely going to pick up issue two and see where this story goes. Just for the fact of it's not really told, you know, in, in a linear way. It's it's back and forth between the kids and then modern times and then the sort of the the story that they're going to weave here is this mysterious murder that's happened in a hotel and there's clues that are left. And suddenly these kids who were, you know, younger now as adults, suddenly they're going to be called back in because it's like maybe one of them is involved in it. So uh, it's definitely interesting enough for me to pick up issue two on this one. So that's that's uh, that's what I'm reading. And you know what, uh, Jared, it is Justin Jordan. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm it is. That. Yeah, it, it is Justin Jordan for sure. So, uh, yeah, definitely check it out. Savage things. By Vertigo Right on. That's very cool. Yeah, I like Justin Jordan too, Jared. He's good. Yeah, he's solid. Didn't he do uh, New 52? Didn't he start Suicide Squad? Did he? Yeah, it was, uh, it was Justin Jordan and Patrick Zercher, Patrick Zercher oh, nice. who started the, the run of the Sui- uh, Suicide Squad when the New 52 started. When they okay. left the book, it got real bad. But it was actually pretty decent before that, so... Oh, nice! I didn't even know Justin Jordan had done anything for DC. That's awesome. Oh yeah, him and pa- him and Patrick. No, 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 no. They, uh, I think they joined the book. Uh, I don't remember. Fuck, I don't know. Whatever. Um, I know Zercher, Zercher. I think Zercher did the art for like one of some of the later um, issues of the Green Arrow for the New Fifty Two. Yeah. I like Zercher's art a lot. Yeah, I like him too. He, yeah, he was doing he was doing uh, Suicide Squad for a while. Uh, let's see here. Um, I'm going to talk about two things real quick. Um, I'm going to talk about uh, the Rick and Morty season three premiere. Just going to give yes. it a t- just going to give it a Tupperware. <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. So, um, and the uh, Mulan session. Did you saw it? You see it, Rebecca? Oh yeah, I was all over that when I saw that they were streaming it on uh, April Fool's Day. I was like, oh my gosh, yes! I watched like two. I, th- I think I watched it twice back to back. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. Total Tupperware, absolutely yeah. Tupperware. Yeah, yeah. The uh, Mulan Szechuan sauce thing killed me. <laughs> yeah, if it takes nine seasons, boy, nine seasons. I'm getting my, I'm getting my Mulan Szechuan sauce. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry, I had to switch headphones there. But um, yeah, I thought I thought it was great. I'm just gonna give it a Tupperware, and I'm a little upset though that it is not returning until the summer. But I was so happy that we at least finally got something to wet our palates in the meantime. So mm-hmm. I'll take it. Uh, next thing I want to talk about here, real quick, is I watched the trailer for um, I Am Heath Ledger. Um, Rebecca, did you get a chance to watch this? I did. I, d- I did watch it as well. And I Am Heath Ledger, it's a feature-length documentary. It celebrates the life of Heath Ledger, actor, artist, and icon. The documentary provides an intimate look at Heath Ledger through the lens of his own camera as he films and often performs in his own personal journey. So, like, this is – these are – this is, like – Heath Ledger's own personal collection of videos of himself. They said he had a camera on himself at all times. And um, it, this is actually the fourth of the I Am series from Derek Murray, director Derek Murray. And uh, he previously he had done uh, I Am Chris Farley, I Am Bruce Lee, and I Am Evil Knievel. So this is the fourth in that series. This has appearances by, you know, actresses and actors, Naomi Watts, Ben Mendelsohn, Jaiman Hansu, Emil Hirsch, uh, director Ang Lee, um, as well as, as Ledger's sister and some close friends. I don't know if they got his father in this. Him and his father were really close. 
And um, if they got his father in this, I'm sure it's going to be really emotional. So mm-hmm. um, what did you think about the trailer, Rebecca? I mean, just the little bit that I saw, I I started to get a little emotional watching it. Um, I, I, I also enjoyed the part where they said that he basically always had a camera on him, whether it was his own camera or he was on set or he was just filming himself like with his phone or, or anything. He was always he was always had a camera and I think one of the guys also said something like Heath was always a director, like acting was just a stepping stone to that. But in his own mind, he was always a director. Right. Um, I, I'm certainly going to watch it for sure. Um, I mean, his film library is just, is, is amazing what, what he did. So, um, I'm I'm excited to see it for sure. I think it's going to probably going to be very emotional. Yeah, it also it reminded me that there's a Heath Ledger movie that I really need to see. They kept showing clips from and I can't remember it was a documentary and it was a Heath Ledger film. It was either The Lords of Dogtown or Dogtown and Z-Boys. I think Lords of Dogtown is the Heath Ledger movie. It's about the skaters in California and how they kind of like blew up and then like skateboarding became commercialized. And, um, and, uh, he's in a movie and he plays one of the characters and I've never seen that movie. I've seen the documentary for the film, but I've never actually seen the movie. And like, just in that small clips from those, just those performances that they showed in this, I was just like, I've got to see that movie. I've got to seek that movie out and watch it because that's a Mm -hmm. Heath Ledger performance I haven't seen. So I thought it looked great. It's going to... They're showing it at a film festival first, and then it's going to be shown in select cities. But then on May 17th, everybody's going to be able to see it on the Spike Network. So I can't Ooh, nice. wait to see That's it. That's great. Looks really nice. good. Looks really good. Um, who else? Who wants to go next? I can go. Go for it. Um, so as I was talking about earlier, I've kind of been getting more into like the manga and anime stuff. And I actually had a, a, a buddy of mine who, um, told me about this new movie that was coming out. I believe it's just a, a select city release. I don't think it's a, a wide release. Um, but it's a movie called your name. Um, and it's, uh, basically is about, um, this girl and this boy who, um, a like a comet falls and then they start switching bodies where um the girl is in the guy's body guys in the girl's body and they're trying to figure out like jared that's called sex (laughs) (laughs) only if she puts a finger in your ass (laughs) anyways (laughs) um so the story is about them basically switch, switching bodies and and um, trying to get used to um, what's going on with that. But when that happens, um, they the actual person doesn't remember anything that happens while the other person is in their body. So they start like writing notes to each other and and basically trying to like um, keep make sure that each other's lives are still staying staying somewhat normal. Um, and it's really interesting. And it they kind of develop this weird connection through it all um and then randomly they just stop switching bodies and it's it's the the guy is trying to figure out why this is happening um and it's got like a really i don't, I don't want to go too much into it because it's really good and i don't want to spoil it for anybody it's got a really big twist that i did not see coming at all um but it's it was a phenomenal movie it's it's got a 97 percent on rotten tomatoes oh wow uh, 
it's it, it's absolutely breathtakingly beautiful. Um, like I would, I've not seen a ton. I've seen a couple of the Miyazaki movies, and I would put it up there with the ones that I've seen as far as just the art was beautiful. The story was really complex and well put together. Um, the characters were likable, and and it was easy to connect with them and to relate to them. Um, and it was just a really really good movie in general. I mean, take away the fact that it's an anime or that it's an animated movie um but it was just a really really good story um and yeah i i'm gonna give this the highest of tupperwares and it's one of those movies that like i want to go back and watch again because there's so much complexity to it that i know there's some stuff that i missed maybe some clues in the beginning of the movie that maybe would have um now that i'll see them it'll show me what's going to happen in this in the latter part of the movie it's just it was really really good um i would highly recommend it i don't know what the release is like on it i I don't know as as far as like how long it's going to be in select cities. Um, I'm assuming that it'll be in the select cities for a short period of time and then it'll just come out on Blu-ray or DVD. Um, but yeah, I would definitely recommend it if, especially if you like the Miyazaki stuff. Um, I think you'll, you'll love this movie. All right. So basically they switch bodies and then when they're in each other's body, they can't remember what they do. That when they're in, so when they're in each other's bodies, the the actual person so the girl's name is Mitsua and the guy's name yeah. is Taki so when Mitsua is in Taki's body it's actually Mitsua and Taki can't remember anything that Mitsua did while she was in his body oh. and so they start using their cell phones and like writing in the like diaries in these phones so that they can tell each other what they did while they were in each other's bodies okay and it's a it's really really interesting okay uh, two takeaways here two takeaways here the obvious <laughs> is all they did was masturbate. The, uh, okay, that's obvious. So, so no, no. Yeah. Okay, so no. Let me let me touch on that for a second because it's hilarious. At the very beginning of the movie, when they switch bodies, the guy is in the girl's body, and he j- it's a theme throughout the whole movie. Every time they switch, he just the, his little sister or the girl's little sister walks in on him just grabbing his own boobs. It's hilarious. <laughs> Apparently, you're not the only one who had to touch on that, Jerry. <laughs> what? He said, let me touch on this. Oh. <laughs> the second thing that's pretty obvious is the guy who wrote this story got really high one day and watched Freaky Friday and Memento back to back. So yeah. It's really good, though. It's, no, it Ryan, sounds really good. It sounds really good. I think you'd like it. Oh, I think I would, too. It, down, it, it definitely sounds like something I would watch, and I'm hoping that they show it around here. So I'll definitely yeah, check that sure. out. Um, let's see here. I want to talk about... Real quick, I want to, I don't know, real quick, but Rebecca, did you get a chance to watch any episodes of uh, 13 Reasons Why? Yeah, I watched uh, the first two. The first two? Yeah. Episode eight. Okay, I finished the series this morning, the season this morning. Um, I want to, uh, yeah, so Frank, you haven't started this, have you? No, huh? Not yet. Okay, so, yeah, let's talk about this. It's a, it's a new Netflix series. It's called 13 Reasons Why, and it's based on the best-selling books by Jay Asher. It follows teenager Clay Jensen as he returns home from school to find a mysterious box with his name on it lying on his porch. Inside, he discovers a group of cassette tapes recorded by Hannah Baker, his classmate and crush, who tragically committed suicide two weeks earlier. On tape, Hannah unfolds an emotional audio diary detailing the 13 reasons why she had decided to end her life. Through Hannah and Clay's dual narratives, 13 Reasons Why weaves an intricate and heart 
uh, heart-trending story of confusion and desperation that will deeply affect viewers. Uh, it stars Catherine Langford as Hannah and uh, Dylan Minnette as Clay Jensen. Dylan Minnette, he's from Don't Breathe and um, some other shit. But um, you know what, Jared? I'm going to start with you. Uh, you're eight episodes in. Let's not get too spoiler-heavy because I do want people okay. to see this. Yeah. Um, what did you think about what do you think about this series so far? So far I'm gonna give it a high taste it. Um I'm I'm really enjoying it. It's it's kind of right up my alley. It's it's kind of that um it's almost I, I talked about this on one of one of my shows that it's like a really, really well done CW teenage drama. Um like if if the CW had a better budget and had bigger named actors like that's kind of what this reminds me of um but i'm i'm really enjoying it i think it's a really interesting story i've never read the book i didn't really know anything about it going in other than my sister-in-law um knowing my past and the things that i've dealt with she she was like hey have you heard about this and i was like no um and she kind of told me a little bit about it but um i think the acting is is really really good in it i think this i'm, I'm loving the soundtrack i think the soundtrack is fantastic um um, and yeah, I think it's just a really interesting story and I, I've heard some things about, um, some of the episodes that are coming up where it gets really, really heavy and there's some, some kind of dark stuff that happens. So I'm, I'm, uh, in, I'm not sure how I feel about that. There's some thing, the show does a really good job of confronting things that I think teenagers today are going through and and some of the the really messed up stuff that kids do to each other like we did messed up stuff to each other when i was in high school but some of the stuff that these kids are doing like i would i maybe it's just because i was a good kid in high school but i didn't even wouldn't have even thought about doing some of these things that they're doing so um yeah i'm really enjoying it i i I, it's one of the even though it's a high taste that i'm looking forward to every episode my wife absolutely loves the show and she like we started watching an episode before we started recording and we had to pause the episode halfway through and she's like no we need to finish it so yeah i really enjoy it all right rebecca you're uh so high tasted over overall um rebecca um you're two episodes in what do you think so far mm -hmm. I, I'm right there with Jared. It's, it has the CW feel. It's almost like if the CW and John Hughes made a series. Yeah, yeah. This, it would be this, mm -hmm. which is not a bad thing at all. It's a no. lot of things I like a lot. Um, I do like it a lot. It gets a high taste it from me as well. My only concern, and I just want to like raise it right away, and Brian, since you saw the whole thing, maybe – you'll feel differently but my only yeah. concern i think we is, have the same concern i guarantee yeah you. um this to me almost uh is the right word like glorified glamorize glamorized. glamor thank you i have it in my notes that's my word yeah. that's my that's my million dollar I, word for this first like the first 10 minutes in uh you know he gets the package and you know he's listening to the tapes which I, I did write down just as a funny little thing. I wrote down who uses cassettes except Jacob Harmon. And <laughs> so true. People do. Um, I feel like, okay, so she made it like this puzzle for everybody to figure out. And I feel like it glamorizes suicide. Yeah, it does. And that bothers me a lot. Like I, I, I'm watching it and I'm like, I'm really liking the series. 
but should I not like it? Maybe I shouldn't like it because of what it's doing. It's, it's kind of like that whole thing with like 16 and pregnant on MTV. You know, I'm going to be famous because I had a baby at 16 and, and that, that's my fear. And hmm. that, that's the I, only thing that like stops me from maybe enjoying it a little bit more. I, I actually, I don't know. I kind of disagree for me. Like, I felt like they did a really good job, at least so far, especially with Clay's character, of really showing how it can mess mess up people's lives and how it can really, like, mess with your head and oh, how it can... Jared, uh, that's exactly what they're the trying to do here. They're, that's what they're trying to do, but there's a subversive message going on to suicidal teens that aren't... The, 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 this This show... So it's this is very subjective the way that me and Rebecca are looking at this because I don't think that the writers of the show intended for it to be this way, but I do think the show sends two messages. And I know this is like a controversial hot button topic that we're talking about, but this show at the very beginning and even even at the end, I, I think that in a way, more so in the beginning, but even in the end, it kind of turns her into like a suicide folk hero. It really does, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's yeah. trying to it's trying to send the right message to to teenagers not to bully, not to not to do these things. It all starts with the anti bullying, and it turns into other things as you watch the series that you that these teenagers should not be doing. But on the flip side, it does show her. You know, kind of like, hey, now I'm dead, and now I'm going to make you feel bad for it. And yeah, yeah I get that. And I and, get and, that. and a teenager that's a teen. I'm going to tell you one thing. I'm not blaming if 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 some kids out there use this and do this and copycat and take their lives and do, and go down this route. I'm not blaming the writers. These kids were this this show did not make the kids suicidal. The kids were suicidal before this show, okay? Mm-hmm. So that, but, and they need to get help, okay? I'm not gonna blame the, the, I don't think the writer's intentions were to glamorize her, but me being once, I, I when I was a kid, I was suicidal. And yeah, I, you know, I've been suicidal too. So when I was a kid and even into adulthood, you know, I've had suicidal, you know, thoughts and I guarantee you watching this as, as a teenager, I would have been like, that's wow that that's if i'm gonna go out that's that that's a wow that's awesome you know yeah i can i can see that they, so basically they, because, it's showing like the payoff of what someone who's <laughs> contemplating those thoughts yeah oh yeah would, hey, like, want to see happen that's fucked up take this uh you know take this uh you know girl uh, girl who screwed me over who i thought was my friend and take this jocks and you know and all this it's everybody gets their payback and she lives on as like this suicide folk hero now the school doesn't celebrate her like that and you don't see kids in the school being copycats like like in heathers like heathers that's what happens it's like you know kids were suicide became cool they don't do Mm -hmm. that here in this movie but Mm -hmm. it's still i rebecca when you said you had a problem with it i was like oh my god we're on the same fucking page with this (laughs) Because, I had a feeling that that you, that you and I would would be like that, yeah, for sure. On the flip side, I I love this series. I think it, as for as controversial as I think it is, I'm still going to give it a Tupperware. Um, 
because I think it is uh, engaging and I can separate my, you know, personal views from the actual story that they put on the screen. It's, I'm not going to let it bother me. Um, I was sucked in. I finished this thing in like three days. I could not stop watching it once I started. So, um, yeah, I put everything on the back burner. I was like, after I, after I started watching this, I was like, I'm not watching anything else until I get this done. Mm -hmm. Um, but I still have some problems with it and I don't think it was intended. I don't think the writers intended it at all. It sends two messages though. And it also sends another message of, uh, hey, shop small business, but that's totally besides yeah. the point. <laughs> um, but, you know, but um, I, I I think uh, Dylan Minnette is, is a pretty good actor. Um, he can't cry for shit, though, I'll tell you that much. Um, but um, I like I like the series. I thought it was really good. I guess there's some articles. I haven't read them yet, but there's some articles that, out there that uh, – say that there could be a season two. It's possible to have a season two. I don't know where they could go. I don't want to know where it could go, but, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I've, I've gotten the, at least so far, I've gotten the feeling where it feels kind of like a one and done series. Like it, it doesn't feel like it feels like they'd be ca- trying to capitalize on the success of it. If they went and did a second season, yeah. um, it just, it feels like it should be one complete story and, and it should be the end of it. Maybe Hannah's a zombie season two, you know, <laughs> <laughs> this is actually the prequel to I zombie. So yeah, there you go. So yeah, um, guys, I'm, st- I'm not saying don't watch it, but, you know, go ahead and watch it, you know, give it a shot. I, I really enjoy the series. I couldn't stop watching it. I was fucking addicted, but you know, on the flip side, yeah, it it it, it kind of glamorizes suicide a little bit, people. It really does. All right, so Frank, what do you got this week, man? It's been a real slow week for me about juggling uh, kids and the wife stuff. But the only thing that I had a chance to watch is I watched the first half of the uh, Louis C.K. comedy special on Netflix. Yeah, so did I. I watched the first I, I half as well. Turn- I had to turn it off to go get a crying kid that would take a nap. But, dude, that was so funny. He is so on point with, like, issues that are, like, going on in the world today. And it's just he turns it on its ear. It's great. Yeah. What are you going to give it? What are you going to give it so far? Oh, Tupperware. I was laughing out loud. I was cackling when he was talking about how women have the right to abort anything and everything. It's like you give them sperm, sperm everywhere, sperm everywhere, and they get to decide what to do with it. Yeah, I'm going to give it a high taste. I I, I, uh, I like it, but on the flip side, it's like I think uh, I think Bill Burr has been killing it recently, and I think his special is a little bit better. i got to watch that one, too. I, this just kind of popped up on me when I turned it on, so I went ahead and clicked on it. But Bill Burr's coming. I that Bill Burr. Bill Burr's coming to my city here in, I think, a couple of months. No so shit. I might have to go try to see him. Oh, God, he's so funny. He kills yeah, me, Yeah, he's man. hilarious. He kills me. Oh, my God, he slays me. All of his Netflix, uh, most of his specials are on Netflix, so check him out. If you just want to laugh mm. your ass off, man, he is just, he kills me. He slays me. Um, I want to talk about uh, Amazon pilot season. It started again. I don't know if you guys remember this from last year when they did this. Is that like with the tick yeah. and all that stuff? Yeah, they did the tick. They did Jean-Claude Van Johnson. They did I Love Dick. Um, insert Frank laugh here. Um, <laughs> it, it's basically you, you get to vote on which shows Amazon will keep. Um, last year, all three apparently got renewed from what I'm hearing. If I'm wrong, I'll hear about it on Correction Tuesday. Go fuck yourselves. But uh, I, there's five shows 
Uh, last year they had three shows. This year they got five. I've watched four of the five. I have not seen Oasis yet. I'm going to watch that soon. Uh, I'm going to kind of run down these pretty quickly, um, just give you my overall thoughts on these and if you should watch them. I watched the new VIPs. It's an animated show. Uh, it's a group of low-level employees take control of a major corporation after accidentally killing their boss. I'm going to give it a taste. It Nothing uh, too amazing. It's all right. Um, I don't know. It's ne- It's not the next South Park. It's not the next Rick and Morty. I don't know. Give it a shot, maybe. It's kind of funny. Uh, second one is Budding Prospects. It's about a group of friends. Uh, they leave San Francisco in 1983 to start up their own marijuana enterprise out in the country. And I'm going to give this an appropriate high taste it. <laughs> and it's good. It's it's different from anything on TV right now. It has a real edgy kind of like Sundance Film Festival feel to it from the way it's filmed. Um, it's got Adam Rose, Natalie Morales, Brett Gelman. I love Brett Gelman. I think he's brilliant. Uh, he was in that show Married, and he was also in 30 Minutes or Less. He's He had his own podcast for a while, which is a crazy podcast that I still don't understand. Is but, he is he one of the guys that gener- that does those roast specials on Comedy Central a lot, or is, am I thinking of someone else? You might be thinking of somebody else. I don't know if I've ever seen Brett Gelman on a one of those roasts. Okay. Um, but um, it's got uh, Joel David Moore in this series. Uh, he's the guy who, who he talked like the robot in Grandma's Boy. I oh, am a robot. yeah. The, yeah. The, they were making fun of Cliff Blazinski in that where he's like, I am a robot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's also got Will Sasso, and he's he's best known for being like a uh, a cast member on Mad TV. He's done uh, voice work for Robot Chicken wasn't he, Family Wasn't guy. he Curly in the um, Three Stooges yeah, movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was him. Um, I, uh, I'm going to give it a high taste. I really thought that this – I thought that this was a really good um, pilot episode. And um, – I want to see a lot more of this. It had like a real indie feel to it, like I said. It's got some really good comedy in it. It's edgy. A woman opens the <laughs> woman opens the door. She's upset with her husband. She opens up the door and she is got no pants on and the hairiest bush I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I could not believe I was watching this. It's Amazon is Amazon Prime is getting really edgy and I can't they're 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 pushing that envelope they really are i mean they're trying to get there with like hbo i couldn't believe it but watch budding prospects i think um if this i i'd like to see this get renewed and you can actually vote on these shows um if you go to amazon.com or whatever just do a search for amazon prime uh series or whatever the fuck you can vote on these to see if they come back the third one i want to talk about is uh the legend of master legend and it's about the, it's the story follows real life superhero master legend and his drive to reunite his family. This is actually, it's, this show is based on the real guy who lives in Las Vegas and he tries to do good deeds and he dresses up like a superhero. Have you guys seen the documentary superheroes about, mm-hmm. about the mm-hmm. people who dress up as superheroes and tr- really try to fight crime in real life? It's a documentary. No, I have not. No. no. I think it's on Netflix or Hulu. You can watch it. It's There's all these different people around the country that dress up as superheroes. And it's not like they're Batman and trying to avenge, you know, all this shit. They're, they're actually just trying to, you know, they'll alert the police and they'll do good deeds for people and, and all these things. But they dress up like superheroes. And 
this guy who calls himself Master Legend was in that documentary, and they showed the real Master Legend. So this show is supposed to chronicle the life of Master Legend, very loosely, I think. Hmm. Um, it's got John Hawks. He plays Master Legend in the series, and he was uh, Danny McBride's brother in Eastbound and Down, if you remember him. Oh, okay, yeah. And... Um, I don't know. The Master Legend, his daughter is in this, and she's either she's she's either gay or bi curious, and she's trying to, you know, handle these feelings that she's going through while she's in high school. And Master Legend and his ex wife they're divorced because uh, he won't uh, he won't give up this superhero persona. She she wants him to drop it, and he won't do it. It means too much to him, so it's affected his marriage. He got a divorce, and uh, his brother in the series is played by Shea Wiggum. And he looks like he's going to be the guy that they're trying to set up as the supervillain of the show. Um, I I didn't really care about this show one way or the other. I thought it was different. I thought it was interesting. I, I was giving it a taste. It, um, but right at the end, it kind of sucks you in. They do something really surprising, and I was like, I, I do want to see the second episode. So I'm going to give it a high taste. It. Um, I don't know. It's it's okay. It's good enough. It's good enough for me to want to watch the next episode. I think it was that cliffhanger that kind of put me over the edge. Uh, the last show that I want to talk about is uh, – it's my favorite show of the whole lot, The the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Did you watch this, Rebecca? I did. Yeah. And you were right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, Thank yeah. You. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, Rebecca, she asked me, she's like, is there anything that I need to do before the show? And I just said, I'll just watch this Heath Ledger trailer and check out this Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And um, – I'm telling you, I think the show is, it's well written, it's funny, there's like the, the production value is amazing, and this is another- It is so good. Isn't it? I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but they captured Upper West Side Jewish accent so well. I mean, it's so, so well done. Um, you know, I love everything New York, and this is a great story about people who live in New York. And in in the fifties and stuff, but yeah, it's so good. Let me read so through the synopsis good. and then we'll kind of talk about it a little bit because I've been dying to talk to you about this. Awesome! Um, it's set in nineteen fifties Manhattan. The marvelous Mrs. Maisel is a sixty minute dramedy that centers on Miriam Midge Maisel, a sunny, energetic, sharp Jewish girl who had her life mapped out for herself: go to college, find a husband, have kids, and throw the best dinners in ta- town. Jesus, I just belched. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> okay. I, that, was, that, was, that was my Frank moment of the week. Um, <laughs> soon enough, she finds herself exactly where she had hoped to be, living happily with her husband and two children in the Upper West Side. A woman of her time, Midge is a cheerleader wife to a man who dreams of stand-up comedy career. Uh, but her perfect life is turned upside down when her husband suddenly leaves her for another woman. Completely unprepared, Midge is left with no choice but to reevaluate what to do with her life. When she accidentally stumbles onto the stage at a comedy club, she soon discovers her own comedic skills and decides to use this newfound talent to help rebuild a different life for herself. The series will trace the trajectory of Midge's journey as she goes on to pursue a career in the male-dominated stand-up comedy profession and transform uh, from Uptown Housewife to East Village Club performer. So yeah, tell me, like, tell me what, did, were you hooked from the get go or did it take, take a while to kind of like heat up to this from, show? It, it took a minute for me to, to, to get into it. Um, 
it, it did. I, I did enjoy the opening scene, though, where she's, like, giving the toast at her own wedding. Um, but just when I saw her, like, walking down the street and she's, like, making all these wheels and deals and she's popping into all these delis and stuff, I was like, okay, I get it, New York feel. I get this. And then um, it, it, it did take me a little bit to get into it. But once I was into it, she captivated me. Mm-hmm. I I loved her. Um, this, this is a total Tupperware. I mean, I can't wait to see what happens after this. Hey, there's but, no, there's no, we don't know if we're going to get this back. You got to get on, I, uh, you got to get on. No, no, believe me, I'm going to jump on Amazon prime and I'm going to be voting for this one. Yeah. But, um, just a funny, funny little thing. Cause when I saw it, it just, it, it just warmed my heart. She, um, she buys black and white cookies for the people in her building, and she gets them from Zabar's, mm-hmm. and just it's a personal connection. But my grandfather, who came here from Poland, knew the original Mr. Zabar. They were friends, and so when Mr. Zabar opened up Zabar's, which is still here in New York and it's very famous, my grandfather, when he was still still with us and still working, he would go in and they would chat and they would catch up on the old country and he'd come home with a box full of Zabar's cookies and stuff like that. So just for me, that was like a little sweet touching moment because of a personal connection, but absolutely such a good story. And then when she finally, the, the, toward the end, like when she's like really drunk and she gets on stage and she kind of does this whole set. Like that, I was I was rolling. She was she was so funny. Oh, that, hey, hold that, on. That. How did you feel about the nudity? It was appropriate, right? Oh, it, it was. But I was like, oh my, okay. She just flashed everybody. <laughs> like, it but, was it was very funny. Like because when she said, uh, oh, she said she said some joke about her boobs because they were still like perky or whatever, and then she just drops her top. And I was like, "Oh, they are good well, for her." How can how, how, <laughs> hey? How can I say this in a way that it makes sense? She almost was standing up for feminism by doing something that's usually looked down by feminists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I completely understand what you're saying. Yeah, because she, she had, she had no, it, she had no inhibitions in that moment, and the whole show we saw her. She's so focused on appearances. Right. Because like that whole thing of like when she goes to bed, she goes to bed with all her makeup on. Right. Yeah. She yeah. waits till her husband falls asleep. Then she runs to the bathroom. She washes her face and puts on her face cream, puts her hair in rollers, goes to bed. And then when the sun just comes up, she gets up again and reapplies everything. Yeah. So that he thinks that she looks like that gorgeous 24 seven. And then, uh. of course, her whole life falls apart. And she's on stage, and she's just like, "Screw it, here they are." And she's just, yeah, it's, it was, it, 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 it was appropriate for the moment, absolutely. Her husband, complete piece of shit. She's an amazing, oh, yeah. amazing woman, very funny, um, and, and that's the thing. I like this guy, like. What a hack. I mean, getting on stage, yeah. and her her husband wants to be this stand up comedian. And so, but he gets on stage and he's ripping off Bob Newhart's jokes. Yeah. And it was funny how when she saw Bob Newhart on the Ed Sullivan show, she got all indignant. She was like, Bob Newhart stole your act. Right. He must have been there at the gaslight. He must have seen you. And he was like, huh. well, it's his act. I, I'm using it. And then she right. was like so disillusioned in that moment. Like, yeah. oh, 
Like you didn't actually write a joke. <laughs> yeah, and she's still stuck with this guy. Yeah, like she even wanted, I know. Uh, and then he's cheating on her with the secretary. This is fantastic. This was a Tupperware for me. Get on Amazon Prime and watch this. I also think it's really cool that they're that uh, that they're bringing in uh, Lenny Bruce, legendary comic Lenny Bruce, into this mm-hmm. series. I could not believe that they're going there, and that's very cool. And I. I, uh, I, I, this series, this, this show out of all of them, I don't care if the rest of them get fucking canceled, you know, master legend, fuck what master fuck. I don't give a shit. I want, <laughs> I want more of this, the, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. This is, this is one of the best pilot episodes I've seen in a long time. This was yeah. very good. Hey, hey Brian, <laughs> have, have you ever seen that, that movie called crossing Delancey? No. Uh-uh. Okay. This is a really when I watched this, it reminded me the feel of this movie. Um uh Crossing Delancey is also like a it's a New York story and it was made in the 80s and it's it's basically like a love story, but they kind of capture that same feel yeah. of that that time period in New York. Okay. Um, and it, it, it gave me like the same feel. If, if you guys ever get a chance to check it out, uh, Crossing Delancey, it's made in 88. It's a, it's a really good New York movie. I was saying, this reminded me of, um, like Brooklyn meets, uh, that Billy Crystal movie where he played the stand up comic. I can't remember what it's called. The comic? I can't remember. Oh, I, I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. You know about. what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can't remember the name either, but I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and I love oh, I, I love that. That's a great movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, whatever the fuck that was called. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that movie. <laughs> All right, guys. We've been going on. Yeah, so definitely check out uh, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. It's so good. Does anybody have anything else before we ramp uh, Good Pop, Bad Pop and take a break here? I've got one more Maybe. quick thing. Yeah, go for it. Um, so people that know me know that I don't really play video games too much. I, I, there's just other things I do. I'd rather read or watch a TV show normally than play video games. But, um, I picked up the Batman Telltale game. Um, have any of you guys played any of the Telltale series? Yeah, I've played the Telltale, a lot of them. Have you? Okay. Um, have you played the Batman one, Frank? No, I got it when it was on sale a couple months back and I haven't had time to play it yet. Okay. Um, so I got it and I, I've gotten about an hour and a half to two hours into it and, um, I'm really enjoying it. I, I've played the season one of the walking dead. Um, I've played the first episode of, they did a, an actual Michonne story. Um, and I've, I've liked every, I've played a little bit of the wolf among us, which is another one. Um, I know they've got like a game of Thrones one. They've got a back Mm -hmm. to the future one. Um, but I, I, I've played them enough to really like the gameplay. Um, for people who haven't played any of these games, it's kind of like a point and click, um, game where you, there's a lot of dialogue and they give you different, um, dialogue options and you make choices and it affects the game um, moving forward. And I was really intrigued with how they were going to do that with a Batman game, especially when you've got like all the Arkham games that have come out that are um, very like action based and, and, and more of a, like a fighting um, first person game. Um, and I'm really impressed with this. The The story is really intriguing so far. It's kind of an else world. It's its own story. Um, a lot of the characters are kind of not there, especially the villains are really not to the villain level yet. Like Penguin um is actually an an old friend of bruce from back when they were in grade school and he's not really the crime boss yet 
Um, you've got Catwoman who is new in town. Uh, Harvey Dent is still running for mayor, so he's he's not two faced yet. So um, there's there's a lot of these characters. So even in the little bit that I've played, that you just love from the Batman universe. Uh, but it's really good. The the fighting gameplay is really really cool and and looks really smooth and nice. Um, it's for the like the Walking Dead one. There's a lot of like push X and then push square and 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 do different things like that. With this, because Batman is is so um, swift and and moves so quickly, there's a lot of like swipe left, swipe right, swipe up really quickly, and it's like back to back to back. So you have to be really quick with it. Um, wow. But it's it's really um, it's really smooth and fluid, and it, it's almost got like a. Uh, like a matrixy feel to it like the the fighting does which is really cool um and the the story is really solid i'm like finding myself having anxiety about making these different choices about like oh do i do i need harvey dent to like me or do i not care about it i've already made enemies (coughs) with carmine falcone um falcone hates me now because i made the wrong choices and like it's just if you like choice based stuff it's really interesting um and the and it's got a lot of replayability because you can go back and play it again and choose different choices and have a completely different story um so i would I've, i'd give it a high taste so far i definitely recommend it if you like the telltale stuff and if you like batman i think it, it's a fun batman game too good deal those are cool uh, the telltale always does a real good job with these uh with these stories they take good popular uh properties and then they put their own spin on it and i haven't played a single one yet that's boring because they are so story-based yeah, and with that anxiety, man, let me tell you from playing the Game of Thrones one, just is it just is it bad on that gut. one? No, yeah. no. Uh, oh, like go with I, your gut. Yeah, because there was uh, a part in that where I was trying to like get through something without getting killed. Something mm-hmm. like there's times where somebody's gonna die no matter what, so you should just play through, go with your gut. That way, you get the narrative instead of yeah. struggling with the uh, the decisions that you're making because they do have a big impact going forward. Mm-hmm. There's a Guardians of the Galaxy one coming out, I think, this summer um, that Telltale oh, is doing, which, which is be all over that. Yeah, it's it's like Guardians taking on Thanos, so it looks really interesting. I think they've released a, one trailer for it so far, um, so I'm excited about that one too. Cool. All right, cool. Um, we'll take a oh yeah, uh, that Billy Crystal movie is Mr. Saturday Night. Ah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. I, was looking that up when you were yammering on about video games and shit. Uh, <laughs> I'm just glad it wasn't me for a change. <laughs> so was I, Frank. Um, <laughs> all right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. We're back. <laughs> and they Yay. all rejoice. All right, it's t- <laughs> time for the pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangsta as fuck, yo. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. 
That was loud. Turn that shit down. Um, let's see here. Uh, Lemony Snicket's the Netflix series, a series of unfortunate events. It's been renewed through season three, and they haven't even started uh, season two. Uh, you didn't like it? I'll toss that. Really? Yeah, I didn't like it at all. What was uh, what was the toss it? Uh, I don't like things that have no hope in them whatsoever, and I I'm not a huge fan of like that aesthetic, like that 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 style of filmmaking. Um, it, it reminded me of, who's the guy who did Budapest Hotel? What's the guy's name? Wes Anderson. Yeah, I'm not a huge Wes Anderson fan. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I love Wes Anderson. <laughs> and, and it reminded me of uh, a lot of that. So I don't, I thought the acting was good. I just, I don't know. It, it just wasn't for me. Hmm. Uh, well, I I thought it was okay. I haven't finished it yet. I've watched like, you know, since we kind of reviewed it on our show, I've watched a couple episodes since and I do plan on getting back to it, but um I don't know. I thought it was all right. A lot better than the uh Jim Carrey film, but uh I would agree with that. Yeah. I would agree with that. All right. So, yeah, renewed through season 3 at least. Uh and in this week's what the fuck news, <laughs> this blew me away. <laughs> Uh, Joe Manganello was on the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast, and he revealed that he's working on a Dungeons and Dragons script with a friend of his. Holy That's amazing. Shit. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I, hold on. This is weird. Isn't this weird? Like on purpose? Like he's doing it on purpose? First, <laughs> off, first off, it's Joe Manganello. Like, like. Is he really into Dungeons and Dragons when he's not like working on his, you know, six pack? Do you really think he's sitting down at a table, you know, you know, uh, with a dungeon master and playing Dungeons and Dragons? Like, is this, this can't be a passion project for him. This is weird. Um, he said, uh, here's this quote on their podcast. He said, obviously there's a spectacle. There's dragons breathing fire and lightning, but what makes a great superhero or fantasy movie is the human aspect. It's got to be about something. We root for those characters in Game of Thrones. Fellowship of the Ring was about friendship. This undying love for your friends. That there's That's something everyone can identify with. When a movie is about something human and real emotionally, people are going to want to see it. Then you get some dragons breathing fire, and hey, I'm in. So I don't know. It's like who who wants to see a Joe Manganiello written Dungeons and Dragons? Joe, Joe Manganiello, right? I mean, let me, I'll say, I'll say this. Joe Manganiello looks a lot like, um, and I'm blanking on the, the character's name, but the guy from Birthright, the comic Birthright, I could see him, Joe Manganiello, being in like a fantasy world. Like he looks like that character. I think like, you're um, in a fucking fantasy world right now, Gafford. <laughs> I mean, uh, I he can. Looks like, does he not? You read Birthright, right? Does yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. He's like Mikey. He, yeah, he can. You know what? I can go down to my fucking Home Depot and find a bunch of guys that look like barbarians too. But on the flip side, I don't want him to fucking write a Dungeons and Dragons script. <laughs> Am I right? Weird. That is that is what the fuck news. That is weird. Yeah, and it sounds like Gafford's all about it. <laughs> I'd watch that. Oh my god! <laughs> I could see him doing some kind of fucked up fantasy football fucking thing, but not Dungeons and Dragons. Well, we already had a show called The League. I don't. 
I don't know. I think this is, I toss this news. I think this is ridiculous. This is the most ridiculous thing that I read on the internet this week, that Joe Manganiello and his friend, his unnamed friend. Yeah, who's uh, the friend? Are, are writing a Dungeons and Dragons script. So, I, I don't give a fuck what he looks like. I don't want him writing shit. <laughs> And if, if 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 I'm his friend, I'm telling him just to you know take off his shirt and do a, another Magic Mike movie, okay? <laughs> and and drop these drop drop this uh, delusion of grandeur that you're this fucking writer on uh, Dungeons and Dragons, like uh, like he's gonna improve upon the last movie that was a dumpster pile, you know, with <laughs> with Marlon Wayans. So. Oh, that movie was terrible. Yeah. Oh, it was terrible. Oh, yeah. You thought that was bad. Wait until the Joe Manganiello Dungeons and Dragons resurrects the franchise. Oh, Come boy. on. Come on. <laughs> uh, well, it probably feels like for a world that has Momoa as Aquaman, there's some kind of a market for this. I guess. I don't know. I'm not a fan of it. Not a fan of this. Cool, bro. Uh, let's see here. We reported on this on uh, this next story on Pop Culture Leftovers years ago about the legend of Conan. It's the long-awaited sequel to Conan the Destroyer with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And um, I was excited at the time because, you know, they announced it, that, it, that this movie was going to happen. Arnold hadn't done, like, a movie since Terminator 3. So I was kind of anxious to see what he could do because, I, you know, I loved the first two Conan movies. Not a lot of people loved Conan the Destroyer. I still liked it. And um, Was the, this announced before the Expendable movies? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. I think so. The last – it was uh, – th- there was that prison movie that him and Schwarzenegger did, and it was like right after that that this got announced. Um, they, I think it was called The Escape or something along those lines. The, I, don't, I don't remember. But um, the last movie, Conan the Destroyer, it ended with a shot of Schwarzenegger as Conan, and he's the king, and he's on the throne, and they're talking about, you know, like, more stories in the Conan-verse, you know, that, mm-hmm. you know, like, what happens when he's king, you know? And that's that's the story I've been waiting for, for, you know, years. I think that movie came out in, like, 82 or 3 or 4 or something. I've been waiting for that story, and... It looks like Entertainment Weekly, they talked to Chris Morgan, who's written on the Fast and Furious films, and uh, he was attached to Legend of Conan, and he said, at the end of the day, the studio decided that they weren't going to make that. I got to say, I honestly, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a heartbreak. I love that first movie so much, so much. It's one of my favorite movies. And he's basically saying, and then he goes on to say, you never know, down the road we may revisit now, day later, days later, I read these quotes from the legend of Conan producer and president and CEO of Cabinet Entertainment, Frederick Malmberg, and he says, we were very excited and spent years working with Chris Morgan to make The Legend of Conan. Ultimately, the studio let the rights expire. The positive news is that Conan Properties now controls everything again and are currently produce- producing both TV and film with a lot more control than we had previously. Everybody wants the legend of Conan to happen, and it will. So, I don't know. It may or may not happen. With the way that Schwarzenegger movies have been recently, I honestly, I don't care anymore. Yeah. His, his latest efforts really, really fucking suck. He hasn't had anything good, in my opinion. Uh-uh. 
his you know his appearances in uh, the Expendables movies have been expendable themselves. Yeah, um, they have. And um, you know he had that zombie movie which I did not watch. Terminator Genesis was was garbage. The uh, twin sequel which was supposed to be triplets starring him danny devito and eddie murphy that fell out haven't heard fucking anything about that and uh, i don't i don't really care if i ever get this legend of conan movie now and you know i don't know jason the jason momoa conan movie was garbage so i don't want to see them reboot it again Mm -hmm. i don't know so Yeah. yeah That's your that's your Conan movie news. Nothing's going to happen. <laughs> so, uh, Guillermo del Toro was in an interview with Collider, and he revealed why he didn't direct Pacific Rim 2. And here's his quotes. The timing started to suck. I had this little movie that I wanted to do, The Shape of Water, very, very much. At one point, it was Justice League Dark or Pacific Rim. I said, let's go to Pacific Rim. The reality is they said... We're going to need to postpone because they were changing hands. Legendary was going to be sold to China to a Chinese company called the Wanda Group. They said, we've got another, we've got to wait nine months. And I said, I'm not waiting nine months. I'm shooting a movie. And I went and shot The Shape of Water and we chose Stephen Denight. So they chose Stephen Denight as the director. And, um, didn't he, is he, is that the one that did Daredevil? He, he was the showrunner for the first season of yeah. Daredevil. Yeah. So. You know, everything lines up. Everything line. I don't know how true it is, but everything does line up. You know, uh, Legendary did change companies. So everything he's saying here is truthful. And, um, you know, he did work on that other movie. So he, you know, I, I, I would have told you before, like, this, these statements came out that, ah, he's full of shit and that they didn't want to bring him back for Pacific Rim 2 after Crimson Peak and some of the other, you know, lackluster, you know, uh, reception that he's gotten from some of his movies. But um, I kind of buy this news. Um, I don't know. Guillermo del Toro is getting some, and he's not—he's he's not really influencing this movie a lot. My dog's flipping out. Sorry, guys. Um, but uh, he—he's going to get some story credits. Um, Travis Beecham is not involved in this one. He wrote the first one with del Toro, and a lot of del Toro's story is not going to be used. In this, he said, I wrote a screenplay, developed two or three drafts of that screenplay. This is different than what I developed. And I'm okay. A producer is in the corner. The director is in the ring. So I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping that this second Pacific Rim can live up to the first one. I don't, what did you guys think of Pacific Rim? Oh, I loved it. I thought mm-hmm. it was great. Yeah, I it's loved it the too. Simplicity of it that makes it work. Rebecca? Yeah, I- Did we lose Rebecca? No, I'm still here. I'm oh. still here. Sorry, I was waiting for everyone to finish. Um, I, I am in the total minority. I was not a fan of Pacific Rim. I didn't care for it that much. Um, but I, as I say, I'm totally in the minority on that one. I, I know a lot of people did like it. So, um, but if if I hope that for everyone that enjoyed the first one, that the second one lives up to the to the hype of it, that would be great. Um, I probably won't watch it though. I, I hope the second one lives up to the shit that you liked in the first one, you dumbasses. Uh, I thought it was garbage, but I hope it's good me. garbage you guys like. No, I, well, what could I say? I didn't care for it, but I know that a lot of people did. So, hooray for you! I hope your movie's awesome. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm really excited to see John Boyega in the new one because I his the movie Imperial Dreams that was on Netflix recently. I thought he was great in, um, and and I'm, I'll be interested to see him in this movie. Uh, and and then Charlie Day is coming back, which I love Charlie Day. So I don't know. I'm excited for the new one. Yeah, I'm excited for the new one. I hope it's good. And I like St- I I trust Stephen Denight. I think he was a good choice if anybody's going to do this. Uh, that that John Boyega movie that was actually I think it was actually made before The Force Awakens. Yeah, it was made in 2014. Yeah, so Netflix just bought the rights to it and decided mm-hmm. to play it. But uh, yeah, I hope Pacific Rim Two Uprising or whatever the hell it's called. I hope it's good, man, because I I love that first one. And if this one's not good, we're never going to get a Pacific Rim Three. So. Yeah, that's true. All right, guys, let's move on into uh, Marvel news. Marvel news. All right, guys, Screen Rant recently talked to Tom Holland uh, last year on the spot. Uh, a set of uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, and asked him if each film in the new Spider-Man trilogy would be set in high school. And Tom Holland said, I'm sure that is the formula they're going to take. Peter is 15 in this movie, and that would make him in grade 10. And, yeah, I see him graduating towards the last movie. So Hmm. I I love it. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's smart to keep him in high school. And, so, and Tom Holland looks young enough to he could I mean even for a couple more years I think he'll be able to still look like he's in high school. Yeah, Michael Cera still mm-hmm. looks like he's fucking twelve. So why not? <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> sure. You know, that, I I think I think it's great. I think it's great. So uh, my question to you guys is though. So let's say uh, you know I mean there's probably going to be at least two maybe three years between movies. Does that mean that the MCU is going to slow down these time jumps with their films because? You know, I mean, these are just basically going to be set like, you know, months apart then if we're going to be watching Peter throughout the school year. Yeah, that's a really that's a really good point. Yeah. I didn't. Well, how does so Homecoming comes out 2017. So you're thinking the next one would come out 2019 and then 2021. Yeah, basically. And what I'm saying is like, you know, when when we've watched movies in the past, you know, like Captain America's, you know, uh, Winter Soldier, from that movie to Civil War, there's a two-year time gap. They, yeah. you know, that the timeline is relatively it works with real life, like two years pass and then two years pass in this universe. With with them doing this, we've got two to three years passing between films. It sounds like they're going to have to make that adjustment maybe in the other films if they're wanting to keep this whole expanded universe going. Sometimes they are kind of fuzzy on the time frames and stuff, like with the uh, Doctor Strange stuff, about how much got accomplished in that film from beginning to end. So, I mean, as long as they're not like trying to put some kind of well, Frank, Doctor Str- on Doctor Strange, it got us caught up to... Doctor Strange, I don't know about that timeline, but it, what happened was it got a, it got us, that movie got caught up to the MCU towards the yeah. end. Right. Do you see what With I mean? Post-credit scene. Right. The post-credit scene got us caught up to the MCU. Everything before doesn't really matter. You're, you're isolating that one film, I don't think really applies here. I'm talking about 
the film starting with, you know, Iron Man going forward. Mm. Man, it's going to be a little tricky because you got the whole MCU and it's in a in and of itself. And now we're bringing this outside element in. I think as long as they don't get too strict with it and try to explain too much, it'll be fine. People just kind of, you know, accept it and hit the ground running. Do we do we even think we're going to get far enough to get another two two Spider-Man yeah. solo movies in the MCU yes. with all this stuff that that's Tony's the, pulling? But, but did you you didn't listen to our last week's episode? That the the, the comments by Amy Pascal, they're bullshit, Jared. That her okay. contract it doesn't even line up with the contract that was signed. He was signed to do three movies with mm. with in in the MC in the MCU. He was signed to do three solo films. And she only mentioned two. And then he okay. was also signed to do like three um, MCU appearances in those movies. Amy Pascal doesn't even fucking work for Sony anymore. Yeah. She she doesn't know. Yeah, her, Everybody got her. worked up over that. And, 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 and she's full of shit. She doesn't even work. She's not even a Sony executive anymore. Rebecca, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, 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 no. You're fine. Um, it's her, her comments. I think you, you, you can't take anything she says to be true because if she's not working for Sony anymore and she's not even quoting correct from the contract that this that the, is in place and is public knowledge then you know screw whatever she says it doesn't mean anything i i think i i think i'm i'm with frank on this one that you know with the with the timelines and stuff they can i i, th- I think marvel can keep it a little fuzzy if they want to and and not be so strict with it um It'll be interesting to see how it all works out for sure, but I, I, I think if they just keep the timeline fuzzy, I think everybody's going to be okay with it. Yeah. Back to uh, the – here's the quote that I read last week uh, about the Spider-Man contract situation. Um, mm-hmm. Forbes at CinemaCon recently stated how that couldn't be possible with the current Marvel-Sony deal. They said, so with Avengers Infinity War in May 2018, Holland will have fulfilled one of his solo Spidey film commitments, Spider-Man Homecoming, plus Mm -hmm. two of his other appearances, Captain America Civil War and Infinity War. That would mean he has two more Spider-Man films on his contract, plus one more appearance as Spider-Man in another film. We know one of those two solo movies will still be within the MCU, making four of his appearances linked to the larger Marvel shared world. So Amy Pascal's statements don't even fucking line up with the original contract of the deal. She has no idea what she's talking about. Okay. So, no, I'm not, I'm just, I'm letting you know that, uh. Yeah, well, I, I didn't get to listen to many podcasts this week, so I apologize for that. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm letting you know you should listen every once in a while. You know, <laughs> I haven't missed. This is the first episode that I haven't listened to in forever. <laughs> Jesus, Unin- uninformed guests. I believe. Jeez, <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Uh, let's see here. They they asked Tom Holland, uh, Screen Rant. They asked him what other villains he'd like to see in a future film post Vulture. And he said, okay, well, I love Doc Ock. I think Spider-Man 2 is one of the great superhero movies ever made. But I think Venom is somebody I'd like to kick the crap out of one day. So <laughs> that's not going to happen with with with, no. the, with what no. Sony's talking about. <laughs> right. I don't know. And they also asked him um, – he also mentioned a villain cameo that he wanted. He said, you know what? Craven is one of my favorites – 
for a cameo. I always wanted Aquaman to play Craven, but now he's DC. I thought that would be super cool. He's talking about Jason Momoa. He wanted Jason Momoa to play Craven, and I think that's terrible. Why he just wants a cameo from Craven? I would love to have a freaking Spider-Man Craven movie. Me too. I've always yeah. said that, man. That that would be so amazing. Yeah, it would. Oh my god, can you just imagine Craven like, you know, Locking up the school and hunting Peter Parker. (laughs) (laughs) Just hunting Spider-Man in the school or something or like, I don't know. I just think it'd be amazing. I just think it'd be great. Do you think Craven would be a tough one to do as PG-13? I mean, I mean, they could do a lot more with rated R, but I think they could still still do it. You think they could do the character justice at PG-13? Just, I mean, he's such a, like a brutal character that like, I, I'm not saying I want a rated R Spider-Man movie. I'm just saying, do you think that they, that they can still do that character justice? Yeah, I do. I do. Format? I mean, I think you can, I think he can beat up Spider-Man pretty bad in a PG. I mean, look at, look at what, um, you know, I mean, we've seen Toby get beat, beat up, you know, in, yeah, in the true. Spider-Man movies and bloody and the, the mask ripped and and all those things. I think he can beat him up pretty bad. I mean, hell, look at um, Revenge of the Sith. I mean, Anakin gets all his limbs cut off. I mean, you can yeah. you can do a lot in a PG thirteen movie. I don't think that you have to go rated R with a Craven movie. To be quite honest with you, yeah, I think, I, I'm not disagreeing. I just I just I I, I want to see if they if they do do a Craven. I want to see him done right. Um, I, I I don't want to see a Craven cameo. I don't want to I don't want to see that character just get thrown away like that. Yeah, I, I don't think that the the movie has to show Craven stabbing people. You know, mm-hmm. I think yeah. he can I think he can cut people up, and I think he can cut Peter up pretty bad. And um, but I don't think it has to be R-rated violence. I really don't think it has to be. So, who would you want to see as Craven? Oh man, I don't. I that's honestly, I'd never even thought about it until we talked it on, talked about it on this podcast. So I, I haven't. I wouldn't even know where to start. You know who'd be good? Yeah. I can't think of the guy's name, but he uh, is Simon on The Walking Dead this season. Uh, yeah, well, you got to get a yeah. You got to get a bigger name than that guy, though. True. He was. Um, he was also in Westworld. The guy that you're yeah. talking about. He played Rebus. Uh-huh. In Westworld, mm. I was thinking Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yeah, that's good. I could see that. That's not a bad choice at all. That's a very good choice, actually. Yeah, yeah. Get him out of that Negan role and make him be Craven. That'd be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I'm gonna skip that. Uh, what am I? Oh yeah. I uh, found this interesting. Uh, Screen Rant said that. Uh, let me just read the article. As revealed in the latest Spider-Man Homecoming trailer, Parker loses the Civil War suit at one point during the film, but when he has it, there's so much there's much to learn about its features and abilities, many of which are locked away behind a training wheels protocol. Once the suit is unlocked, one of the features of the costume is a built-in Jarvis-like assistant, something Tony oh, wow. yeah, something Tony Stark uses in his lab in Iron Man suits. We asked Spider-Man Homecoming co-producer Eric Carroll about this when we visited the set last August, and he walked us through some of the concept art and story beats. Once those training wheels come off, as it were, so it sort of sounds like Jarvis, will he have a voice inside, like literally? 
Eric Carroll says he does, he does, which surprises him because he doesn't until Tony deactivates that, deactivates the training wheels protocol. So the suit starts doing a bunch of stuff. You know, it does a holographic interface and things like that. But probably most notably, it starts talking to him and he goes, oh, this is weird. And he starts asking it stuff, but he's not super slick or Tony Stark smart who invented the operating system and did all this. He's a kid. So he's like, um, how do I get to where that thing is? And it's like, um, I don't know, pretty much drive. How are you going to get? <laughs> So basically, he's got he's got kind of like a, a Jarvis, his own Jarvis in the uh, in the suit. That's that's interesting. Um, is I wonder if that's something that's going to carry out throughout all the films with Spider Man. Hmm. That definitely gives us a new twist that we haven't seen before. Yeah. And I also thought it'd be interesting if it wasn't a male voice. I thought it'd be even cooler if it was a female voice. Oh, that'd be cool, and then Peter could all be awkward and shit. Yeah, yeah, hmm? yeah. I like, I like, like where, I like where you're thinking, Frank. That's good shit. Like talking to it and having his voice crack and stuff. <laughs> oh, maybe making a joke about that movie Her with uh, Scarlett Johansson and uh, you know the the AI yeah. movie. That'd be great. Oh, it'd be great if Scarlett Johansson voiced it. <laughs> <laughs> He has Black Widow in his ear the whole time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, when he beats back up with her, he thinks he's all comfortable with her. And she, she's like, no, dude, get away. <laughs> what do you guys think about that, though? Um, do you guys like that, or do you think it's different and you're not sure about it yet? you got to see it in the movie. I think I have idea. to see it in the movie, personally, because it's just not like a Spider-Man thing that's really – an Iron Man thing. I, I think I'd like to see how it plays in the movie to decide if I want to see more of that. Yeah. I, I feel like that's something that in like the classic Spider-Man suit, I, I'm not sure how I feel about it. I feel like that's something that like if we ever see Iron Spider, like if we ever see that suit, I could see it being built into that a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's something that I'll have to see before really being able to, I, I don't want, if it, if it's like a main thing, like it happens constantly, I don't know if I would like that, but if it's just kind of a one-off thing here and there, I think, I think it'd be okay. I think it's going to be one of those, I think it's going to be a one-off thing. I think uh, towards the end of this movie, he's going to ask Tony to get rid of it. Like, I don't need this, you know, thanks, uh, thanks for your help, but I don't need that in my suit, you know, I want to be my mm-hmm. own superhero and, He's got, that's why he's got Spidey sense. He doesn't need some AI talking to him. And I don't want to see that in future film, uh, future films at all. I don't want to see him talking to a Jarvis device. It just, yeah, that's not Spider-Man. I, I don't like it, but if they do it in this movie and by the end of it, he just asked Tony to get, to get rid of it, then I'll be happy. I just don't want to see it in future Spider-Man films. Yeah. I would agree. Guys, uh, we talked, I kind of talked about this a little bit last week. We've been, uh, wondering, uh, yeah, Jared, you wouldn't know that though. Um, but, uh, <laughs> 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 whatever. <laughs> uh, you got any more excuses to throw my way? No, I'm fucking with you, dude. I don't give a shit. Um, I, I've been wondering about this for a long time. You know, who is Sylvester Stallone going to be playing in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2? And we may have gotten our answer. 
in this article from Screen Rant, and they go on to say, Movies Book IT on Twitter has shared a rather revealing press release for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 that appears to confirm who Stallone is playing. If this is indeed legit, Stallone is playing none other than Stakar Ogard, a.k.a. Starhawk. While the legitimacy of this release can be rightfully questioned, the information seems true. MCU Exchange ran a speculation piece about Stallone's role before the release came out, citing a passage from the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 junior novel. In Chapter 8 of this book, Yandu encounters a legend among the Ravagers who mentions Alita, Starhawk's sister, by name. And my cat just jumped on the table. That's what you heard. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yandu's conversation with this Ravager legend ends with the character believed to be Stallone's Starhawk exi- exiling Yandu from the group, saying he won't hear no horns of freedom when you die, and the colors of Ogord will not flash over your grave. So I've been begging for this. I wanted Stallone to be a leader of the Ravager's since mm-hmm. they said he was going to be in the movie. And, you know, there, there was speculation out there that he was going to be one of the Nova Corps, and I fucking hated that idea. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was pushing for him to be a leader of the Ravagers. And if this news is true, I'm thrilled because him working opposite of Yandu and That's him great. hunting Yandu, I love it. I love it. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that a lot. I, I was in the same boat as you. I really did not want to see him be in the Nova Corps. I thought that was dumb and kind of a waste. Um, so yeah, I think, I think if you, you can, you can have him look beat up a little bit, have him look rugged and kind of, um, just, yeah, I think it, it would be really awesome to see Stallone as a Ravager. What do you mean have him look beat up and rugged? That is Stallone. I mean, you, <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I, that's what I mean. Like if he's a Nova, you like all the, is, from what we've seen, like Nova are very like clean cut and like almost like military. And w- if he's a Ravager, you don't have to have him look that way. You can just have him beast alone. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're talking about the guy who plays Barney Ross in The Expendables. I mean, he's a badass, and that's what I want to see him. You know, like when when they cast Rooker, they didn't ask Rooker to be part of the Nova Corps. They they gave him Yandu, and they made him a badass ravager and that makes sense for michael rooker and i think this makes sense for stallone i love this i love this if it's true yeah same here mm-hmm. wow guy you guys are just chiming in with just agreeing just <laughs> i like I, with you, man. honestly you guys might as well just i wish i wish this was a video podcast and it could just be three people nodding that'd be bitching <laughs> <laughs> Look like a bunch of bobbleheads. No, I feel I feel like I just I just say shit and you're like, yeah, man, I agree. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> all right, let's move on to the next fucking topic. <laughs> Jeez, I need to say something controversial so I can get you guys to disagree with me. <laughs> all right, let's talk about Terry Crews for Luke Cage. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh damn you. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh man, no. I, I, another thing that I wanted to bring about, uh, bring up about Guardians, and I'm hoping maybe to get some group participation in this one. Um, <laughs> God, I feel like I feel like I'm teaching a kindergarten class. I don't know what the, <laughs> the kids are falling asleep. It's not nap time yet. Jesus, um, like the night shift manager at the Arby's trying to get his crew behind him. 
Like, yeah. Exactly like that, Frank. Exactly <laughs> like that. Um, we know that the Guardians are going to be split up in this film. They, they, you know, they've, they've confirmed it. Uh, it looks like from like the trailers and everything I've seen, it looks like Rocket, Yondu, and Group are in one group. And then you've got the other group, which is Gamora, Drax, Star-Lord, Mantis, and Nebula? Maybe Nebula? I don't know where Nebula is in these two groups, but I think she's with that group. So, when Peter Quill meets his father, Ego, that means that Yondu, who's been his father figure, is not going to be with him at that time, it looks like. So I think that that's going to be really interesting when they all kind of meet up again. I wonder how Yondu's going to take him meeting his real father. I mean, I think there's going to be some jealousy there. Yeah, he'll feel a little threatened. How long do we think it's been since Yondu has, like, because Yondu and, and Ego obviously know each other, but how long do we think it's been since they've connected? Ah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they've got a relationship. And, he, and Yondu thinks that uh, his father's an asshole, so. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's been at least 30-plus years, possibly. I don't know yeah. when the last time they've contacted each other. Wasn't there something that said that, like, we're going to get to meet Ego within, like, the first 15 minutes of the movie, too? First 20 is what they said, first, yeah. 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 Yeah, so I I don't know. I I honestly like I, I Yondu's one of my was one of my favorite characters from the first movie and I'm really excited that he's going like, to I love Michael Rooker and I'm excited that he's going to get a bigger part in this movie. Um and and I don't know. I kind of hope that that like if there's a matchup like Yondu versus Ego, I kind of hope Yondu wins that, and 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 Star Lord is kind of more on Yondu's side than Ego's side. But I also don't know a whole lot about the character of Ego, so yeah. In, yeah. In, the, in the first movie, at the end, if I'm not mistaken, they say something like um, because they they had they had taken Peter from Earth, and then they said, "Oh, isn't it a good thing that we never gave him to his father?" And then that's mm-hmm. when he says, "Oh, he's like a total asshole." Like, do you, I'm imagining that that'll be brought up, obviously, again. Like, you know, the whole, "Hey, why didn't you bring me my kid?" and and maybe Peter or, or Star Lord having to be a bit conflicted, like, "Whoa, I was supposed to be with my dad all these years, and instead I was with you." And oh, like maybe Star Lord gets mad, or Peter gets mad at Yondu for not. I, I could see that being like a real conflict. I mean, if if he finds out like all this time he was supposed to have been with his father, and instead he's been you know raised by these ravagers. I mean. I'd be pissed. I, I'd want to know why. I'd want to know what happened. I, I think that could certainly play into the movie. I think that would make for good for good drama. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. I think – and, you know, I think that James Gunn has kind of alluded to a lot of this movie is actually going to be about family. And, yeah, um, he, he has said mm-hmm, that like, yeah. on more than one occasion that it's, it's really about family. And, right. Which to me says that that we're going to see that that family conflict, uh, oh, yeah. which I think is great because you've got these really great actors who can really sink their teeth into some meaty dialogue and meaty scripts and and emotional, um, like what's the right word? Like just have, having their feelings back and forth out there. I think I think you could have some really really good drama in in this movie. Oh yeah. I agree. I think I, I think this movie is going to 
It's really going to do that. And I think he did that really well in the first movie. I mean, just little yeah. things. There were little things in the first movie that were really emotional. Um, and one, I'm, I'm going to point out one real quick is when Rocket takes, he's changing and he takes off his shirt and Peter sees his back. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if you remember yeah. when Peter was talking to his mother, right when she's dying, she's talking, he's, she's talking about, you know, like the boys at school picking on him because he didn't want to hurt the frog. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of little mm-hmm. boy that Peter was. He was a sweet little boy and he, and he sees Rocket and he looks at Rocket's back and you, I kind of tied those two scenes together. Like he cares about Rocket. And I mean, Rocket's been experimented on and he's got like those metal pins on his back. And I mean, that was really sad for me. They, I mean, it, it, that scene really, really hit me because I, I love mm-hmm. animals and, um, yeah. And, uh, man, I just, James Gunn just does little things like that. So I can't imagine what he's going to be able to do with this, with the sister rivalry between Nebula and Gamora. And then we've got Yondu and Ego. And we've got, we've even got like Drax meeting Mantis. And they're supposed to be not, I don't know if there's going to be a relationship there, but a very strong friendship is what I'm hearing is being formed between those two characters. So I, 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 this is one of my most anticipated movies of this year, um, right behind yeah. uh, Episode Nine, Star Wars Episode Nine. So I cannot, cannot wait to see this. I've got my IMAX ticket ready to go, and I cannot wait. And last time I watched Guardians of the Galaxy in IMAX, I drank too much water, and I had to pee the entire time, and it <laughs> it sucked. So this time I am going to make sure not to drink shit before I go. Um, so I don't feel like I have to get up uh, the entire movie. So I cannot wait for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And Stallone being a Ravager makes me happy. Good news. So let's move on into yeah. DC News, guys. Let me find this fucking bumper. Here we go. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC News. It's time for DC News, you fucking pieces of shit. All right, let's see here. Uh, Patty Jenkins, she was talking to uh, comicbook.com at WonderCon over the weekend, and she shared her perspective of uh, the Wonder Woman film's approach to comedy. And she says, I think there's funny things in both of those films, but we definitely went for making a funny film. I was always basing it on Superman 1 and on Indiana Jones. I wanted to make a classic film where you're laughing and you're in love with them, and then they're off on a fun, great adventure. It's definitely in the pursuit of our film. So what do you think about those comments from Patty Jenkins on this being a funny film? And she's trying to compare it to Superman 1 and Indiana Jones. Those are big, big shoes to fill. It's a big order to fill. Sounds like a stretch. The the trailers, yeah. you know, I mean, like, not trying to be a DC hater, but just like with most things... I'm confused as to the tone of the film even more now that she's saying that because yeah. it looked like they tried to dribble it in with with the trailers and it had like more of a serious tone. But now I don't know what to fucking expect. Ah, there's plenty of jokes. There's been plenty of jokes in the uh, Wonder Woman trailers. Yeah, I I don't know what to think about this anymore. I like I'm get the more stuff that I hear that's coming out of Warner Brothers and and everything, the more worried I am about 
where everything is going. And I mean, we heard those initial reviews of the, the screenings of Wonder Woman that they came out and they were, um, not good reviews at all and said that the, the plot was disjointed and that dialogue wasn't great and stuff like that. So, I mean, you got to take critics reviews with a grain of salt, but, um, I mean, this last trailer that we saw has me excited for it, but if she's saying that it's a, that they're going for like a borderline comedy, I, I just don't feel like that works. I don't think I, I've not really seen much comedy out of Gal Gadot. Like, I, I don't know if, if she, well, she just I mean, did a movie with Zach Galifianakis and John Hamm. Oh, did she? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't see that. Yeah. Uh, was it any good? Uh, got horrible reviews. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I don't know what that means. I mean, Chris Pine, I think has, has definitely got comedic timing. Um, but, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not super thrilled about her saying that they were going for this being a comedy. Cause I don't want, I don't want Wonder Woman to be made a farce of. I want it to be a serious movie and I want it to be something that like really defines, um, the character. And, and I don't think com- when I think Wonder Woman, I don't think comedy. Um, right. But Jared, uh, when when I think like the Donner films, when I think Indiana Jones, I, I I don't think comedy either. Those aren't comedic movies per se. To me, those are adventure movies that have lighthearted moments enough for me to have a, a, a laugh, have a chuckle, have, have a giggle, and like just give the overall like like tone. To me, that's what I think she's trying to say. That not that it's a comedy per se, but that it has those comedic like adventure elements. I agree yeah. with you one hundred percent, Rebecca. I feel like I, this organically makes sense to the story because it's a fish out of water story. She's coming from Themyscira, right. where she's an Amazon warrior, and they're taking her into uh, the United States during World War One, and feminism is like this whole. Thing of like women not being able to be in the military and women being homemakers and it's all foreign to her. And so you're going to have fish out of water humor that's organic to the character putting her in this situation. It's situational comedy. Yeah, and I think it makes sense. That's what I think. Yeah, that'll be all right. If that, if that's what she's saying, then I can totally see that. Um, but yeah, but, but I, I, I agree with you, Jared. I don't, I don't want this to be. A comedy. I don't want this to be lighthearted. I, yeah. I of like it's like the whole movie. Like you should be rolling in the aisles. No, this is this should be a serious story. We've been given serious Batman movies. We've been given serious Superman movies. Why should Wonder Woman not be a serious superhero movie? Mm-hmm. Just because she's a woman? No. Let's give her a serious movie as well. But I think the comedy we will see, as as Brian expressed it, I think it will be that organic fish out of water like um with that scene we that we've seen in the trailers where she's talking to steve's uh secretary and she says oh um well you know what what do you do i do this i do that and she's like that's a slave and and, Mm -hmm. and the secretary's like oh i like her like that that to me if that's what she's talking about that's fine for me yeah as long as the whole thing is not meant to be like i'm supposed to be rolling in the aisles then yeah I, i think that 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 will work yeah, I don't, I don't, I think this is going to be more like if she, if, you know, I, I don't know if we can take her words as like, 
that's what we're going to get. Like, I don't know if it's going to be representative of Superman one or Indiana Jones. I mean, but I don't think on the flip side, she's saying like, Oh, this is going to be Superman three with Richard Pryor, where it's just ridiculous. Yeah. You know, right. this is not going to be, um, the female led ghostbusters. That's not what the comedy that she's going for here. I think the, the comedy is going to be organic to the situations that they put the character in based on where she's from. I mean, the comedy writes itself when you take that kind of a character and put her into a man's – I'm putting up finger quotes – a man's world. Mm-hmm. You, that's what we're going to see is this badass woman showing men that women can – that women can be superheroes. And yeah. I think that's what's going to be funny. And if Patty Jenkins does this right, it'll be a great movie. If she can do that, if she can get – Men and women cheering for her as we're watching these things. I mean, it's going to be a great movie. Now, mm-hmm. are we going to, I don't know. Is the studio going to get involved? Is, you know, is the studio oh. going to, going to screw up Wonder Woman? Like that remains That's to be seen. That's always the caveat. That's always the caveat. Yeah. Right. They do have the track record. Yeah. Yep. It, it seems well, like DC is trying to pull back on that. I mean, we've been hearing like Matt Reeves kind of said like, no, I'm not doing your Batman movie. And then he comes back after Warner. After now, we're hearing like Warner Brothers is going to give Matt Reeves more control of the film. And now we're hearing that Joss Whedon's going to be able to write, direct, and produce Batgirl, which gives him more control of that film. So mm-hmm. it makes me and but see the thing is, Patty Jenkins made this before all of those moves were yep. starting to happen. That's the problem. But, That's the problem. Exactly. So it's like how much studio involvement. And how many, you know, like reshoots, like what, you know, how is this going to affect the film? How is this going to affect Wonder Woman? And that's what I'm worried about is that. Yeah, is Wonder Woman a, still a struggle in them trying to find their identity or is, is it finally a good story that tells itself? I'm hoping it's a great story. I don't, was it Michelle, was it Patty Jenkins that pulled out of Thor or was that Michelle McLaren? No, that, I, I think that was Patty Jenkins. Pa- so Patty Jenkins was supposed to direct Thor Ragnarok, and she didn't like the direction that the studio, that Marvel Studios was taking her in. She had a different vision for it, and so she dropped out. I think maybe, I know, I thought Michelle McLaren was supposed to direct Wonder Woman, and then she left, and then she, I can't remember. I can't remember, Rebecca. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to double check. I'm almost positive that Patty Jenkins was supposed to direct Thor because uh-huh. Natalie Portman was like super excited to work with her oh, and then yeah. when she pulled out of it then yeah. Natalie Portman wanted to leave the project and that's when Marvel was like no you have a contract right and you can't leave <laughs> right right no that sounds right that sounds right that does sound right I don't know I'm just hoping that Wonder Woman is a great movie I am worried I still love both trailers I think both trailers are fantastic but that does not mean that we're going to get a great movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> it's true. It's sad, but true. <laughs> I'm not 100% sold on like, I need a serious DC film every fucking time either. I, you know, I want the, the action to be serious and I want the, the stakes to be serious. But I mean, I think that comic books do have lighthearted moments. You know, I, I like scenes of, you know, characters just sitting in a diner talking to one another, you know, every once in a while. I like light-hearted moments between characters. But don't you, but wouldn't you agree that like if if they were going to do something like I feel like The Flash would be a better movie to like make that a main thing 
Like I could, I could see that working really, really well in a Flash movie. But and and maybe it's just because I'm I haven't read enough Wonder Woman or or haven't am, am not. I mean, her love interest is in this. Jared, I mean, she's she's meeting Steve Trevor for the first time. I mean, we've got to have right. some some special CW romance love connection thing going on here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know I mean, how ser- I don't I don't know how serious you want it when she's when she's potentially falling in love with with another character in the film. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't like know. I just want it to be a good story. Like that's what it all boils down to. As I want the story to make sense, I don't want I don't want a romance shoved in there just to do it. I don't want comedy shoved in there just to do it. I want it to to be natural and for it to make sense. I like the idea of her being the straight man in the situation with the fish out of water thing because then she's just being her and it's the world reacting to her because of the time period. That's what's funny. Yeah, that'll be good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. All right, let's uh, move on into uh, some DCEU rumors from 4chan. Take these with a huge grain of salt. Uh, this is uh, internet rumors from 4chan, and you know, I don't know what to think. But the plan uh, that they're talking they, – here's one of the, the first rumors. The plan for 2019 is to release four Batman-related films. Whoa. Four? Mm-hmm. In one year? Four Bat- Batman-related films. Yeah, like Holy I said, God. take this with a huge grain of salt. Um, they said uh, Gotham City Sirens around Valentine's Day weekend, Nightwing on Memorial Day weekend, Batgirl in August, and The Batman in November. Um, the studio is doing this to celebrate the 80th anniversary of Batman. Hmm. That's what a Batman in one year. Yeah, it is. It's <laughs> a lot. I don't know. Batman diarrhea. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't I, I think it's a little it's a little much. Four movies in one year is a little much for yeah. me. Yeah, for me yeah, I think that that's yeah, I think that that's not true. <laughs> uh next rumor is the Batman film will still have Deathstroke, but not as a main villain. Uh Matt Reeves wants to do a larger scale Batman film that will include the Bat family as well as most of the Batman rogues. Um, so Deathstroke, Joe Manganiello, not going to be the main villain. And, um, Matt Reeves wants to have the Batman, Bat family involved and, uh, most of Batman's rogues in the film. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? If that turns out to be true? I I mean, I, a a Matt Reeves long Halloween movie would be amazing. (laughs) Um, I like as far as like stories like long Halloween or hush where there's a lot of the rogues gallery in there. Um, I think it would be awesome to see. Um, and I think if, if anybody can do it right, I think Matt Reeves can, I think, um, I, I, I've wanted to see the bat family in a live action movie for forever. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I like the idea of a, of a more overarching Batman story where maybe it's more focused on the Bat family and, and Batman himself than it necessarily is who is the villain in the movie. I don't know. It just sounds like more BVS bullshit to me, man. When you, I'm, I'm being honest with you. It's like, you know, Batman versus Superman. And then it's like, uh, doomsday. Um, and, uh, here's Wonder Woman. Here's Cyborg. Here's Flash. Here's Lex Luthor. Just throwing everything, man. Just throwing everything at the fucking wall. And that's what it sounds like here. It's like, oh, you, you want Batman? Here's, uh, shit. You're going to get four fucking movies in 2019. And so, but, you know, we'll just throw all the Bat family in this. And here's all of Batman's rogues. And, uh, it's just 
overload, overload. They're just trying to get caught up with Marvel and they're just doing too much. I don't believe this rumor. I'm not saying I believe it. I don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't believe it, but I think it's a little too much. I mean, it sounds like in that year they're trying to set up this movie. I mean, okay, here's Gotham City Sirens. Uh, here's Nightwing. Uh, here's Batgirl. And now we're just going to throw them into the Batman movie. It's called The Batman. It's not called The Batman and every fucking thing else in the kitchen sink. <laughs> it's called The Batman, which I don't understand that they're going to sh- they're going to include all the it sounds like the Bat family and then most of Batman's rogues. It just it just sounds like BVS all over again, which I know you like that movie, yeah. Jared, but I mean, it didn't work for me, and I, I think this is too much to take on. I just wanted to, I just, yeah, I just want a good Batman movie. I, that's all I want. But mm-hmm. and even if it were true, I can't see them pumping out four movies and having them be of any quality whatsoever. And th- it's not going to be based on the Long Halloween because they're going to do a Batman animated film in 2019 that'll be an adaptation of that, according to this. Rumor. Oh, really? That according to this rumor. So oh, wow. don't know if that's true or not. So well, hopefully they don't screw it up like they did. Uh, Killing Joke. Yeah. The oh, that was awful. Yeah, I've been here. I, I haven't watched it, but I heard it was really bad. Um, next uh, rumor is Grant Wilson might be the villain for the Nightwing solo film. He is hired by Roland Desmond to take out all of the mob bosses in Bloodhaven. So uh, Grant Wilson, he's Ravager in the comics, and his uh, his power set is basically similar to Deathstroke. So it's Deathstroke's son, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So I, I mean, if they don't change the story in the Batman, and Joe Manganiello is still Deathstroke, and then they do this in Nightwing, that makes no fucking sense, and it's stupid. Right. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm sorry. It's like. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, oh, did you like the villain in the uh, Nightwing movie? Oh, you're gonna get to see him again, kind of in the Batman. <laughs> I don't know. It just it makes no sense to me. These rumors are stupid. Four chance ridiculous. Um, <laughs> Suicide Squad two or Dark Universe will most likely be taking Aquaman's previous release date. Uh, next rumor: Mel Gibson is no longer the front runner to direct the Suicide Squad. Uh, Jami Colette Sarah and Ruben Fleischer are now the top candidates. I have no idea who those are. Um, the script is currently being written with a story pitch given by David Ayer. Killer Frost will be the new female lead to replace Harley Quinn. Hmm. 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 <laughs> That's a lot of hmm. I know. Jeez. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I love the input. Like, hey, uh, yeah, it's, it's like, hey, let's go around the round table. Hmm. 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 It's like, I feel like I'm in the fucking alley of uh, King of the Hill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. But I mean, like, wait, I mean, like, seriously, though, like, I, I'm not super excited for Suicide Squad 2 movie. Yeah. I don't know if you guys are. So, it, like, it's I like the idea of, of Killer Frost. So maybe that was why I was like, hmm. That's not a bad idea, but I just, I don't know. Suicide Squad 2, I'm not, like, over the moon for it, either. I'm trying to wrap my head around that without Harley Quinn. It seems like they built so much of that first movie yeah, exactly. around her, and then just to cast her aside for Thank the second you. one. Thank you. That's, mm-hmm. that's yeah, like, that's, that makes no weird. sense. Like, yeah. Why did, why did you make Suicide Why did you make Suicide Squad? Um, and, and Harley Quinn's such a big part of it just to have her, like, Killer Frost is gonna replace 
Margot Robbie as the lead? Yeah, exactly. And then that's the thing, too. It's like Margot Robbie is kind of like the headliner name for it. Like, who are you going to get to be Killer Frost to compete? Yeah, I don't, yeah, it makes no sense. That's what I'm calling bullshit on that one. Big time. I'm with you there. Uh, you know, Gafford's quiet about this because he fucking probably loves Suicide Squad, didn't you? <laughs> no, I think Suicide, I've said this from the beginning. I don't think Suicide Squad was a good movie, but it was a fun movie and I enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're yeah. You're watching it with Hawksby, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. It's not a good movie, but it's a fun. Oh, Gafford, you're so. Uh, oh man! All right. Anyway, um, the Dark Universe script is going through final rewrites. Guillermo del Toro's old treatment was used as a base and was rewritten to connect to the universe. Uh, if Lyman is ready, filming could start as early as summer. So uh, they're talking about you know this is going to be Justice League kind of Justice League Dark for the films. And it looks like Doug Lyman is ready to direct, direct that. So he left, um, what was it, the Gambit movie to do this. So we're gonna get, uh, we're gonna get live action Constantine and Zatanna and I don't know, man. I don't know. This is, this is a lot. And then we, we still got the Shazam movie and it's like they're talking about Nightwing and Batgirl. This is a lot, man. Yeah. It's- it's so hard to tell what their focus is because it's everything all the time, all over the place. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Levine is in talks to direct The Flash. Um, the film will most likely release in 2020. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, uh, right after the Gambit movie. Hold on. Right there. Let, me, let me flash forward the next week. Uh, Jonathan Levine is leaving the Flash, you know. <laughs> but he hasn't. No, this is just a rumor from 4chan. But uh, Jonathan Levine, he's the the director. He did Warm Bodies. He did the Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh, Seth Rogen movie Fifty Fifty, which I loved. I thought that was a great movie. And then he also directed uh, The Night Before, which had Seth Rogen, Seth Rogen, Anthony Mackie, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And that's a really funny Christmas movie. If you haven't seen it, it's really funny. But um, he also did the Wackness, which was a really good movie as well. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. I thought I that, really enjoyed it. I thought the Wackness was your uh, your your take on Suicide Squad. To be quite honest with you. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Gafford. Everybody just shits on me every time I come on the show. If it makes you feel any better, I wasn't here last time, so it's my turn to get some in. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Last rumor is Matthew Vaughn will most likely write the Man of Steel sequel um, if he takes on the directorial duties, so... Yeah, what are your what are your thoughts on Matthew? I I mean, I me and Jake got we talked about it, but what are your guys' thoughts on Matthew Vaughn doing a uh, Man of Steel sequel? Matthew Vaughn well, did. I mean, dig- if they could keep it focused, I like the idea. But I mean, it's just like anything with DC. I mean, you got as long as they could try to keep it focused, it would be so much better in the long run if they can keep it just him as the main character and then. You know, one villain instead of trying to put so much in it. Well, I think, you know, like yeah. with the news of, uh, you know, Matt Reeves getting a lot of control and uh, Joss Whedon getting in control, that, that's what they would do if they got Matthew Vaughn. You know, I mean, this guy did Kingsman, which did gangbusters in the theater. I didn't like the movie, um, but a lot I of people did. It. I know you did. 
Gafford loved Kingsman. I, I didn't like it. Um, but, um, you know, I think that's what they would do here. I mean, they're talking about in this rumor giving him not only directorial duties, but also make, you know, having him write it. So, uh, Rebecca, what do you think? Matthew Vaughn, uh, he did I mean, X-Men first class and all that other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I liked, I liked first class. Um, I saw, I saw Kingsman. It was, it was okay. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. It was, it was okay. Um, I, I'm not necessarily against him doing this because if he, he also did kick ass. Um, yeah. Yeah. A great movie too. But I, is this the movie that they were talking about? This would be like a soft reboot or is that just, was that just, um, uh, rumors. Well, see, that's, that's, that's what Jake brought up that he read in an article. And I, everything I'm reading is saying, Man of Steel sequel, Man of Steel sequel, okay. which makes okay. me think that this is part of the DCEU and it's not a reboot, which that, I don't know, that sounds, I don't know, that just sounds weird. That sounds like, I don't know, it's, it's weird. It sounds like what Sony's doing with Venom and, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Right. It gets confusing. Like, what, what do you include in it and keep and what do you don't I, I don't think that it's a separate superman i don't think that they ha- would have two superman two supermen competing against each other in two different universes that won't come oh, on, on top of on top of the cw superman you ta- then you would be right. talking about three yeah. supermen oh they don't yeah. give a shit about the cw superman gafford they don't give a shit they could care less about that. The, like the the people at Warner Brothers that are in the movies, this this the, like the movie executives don't give a shit about Tyler Hecklin and the CW Superman at all. They don't. Yeah. They they might look at him for like, wow, the people really respond to him. We need to have our Superman do those things. But as far as like, they don't care about it. I just don't. I don't see them spinning off and doing <laughs> – it doesn't really make sense to me to spin off and start a new Superman. No, me, me neither, which is why I was, like, confused about it. But I, I think he could do a good job. I mean he's, he's directed several really good movies and movies that have action in it. And mm-hmm. and I think if they – I mean if they want to go maybe in the sense of giving Henry Cavill a little bit more – lightheartedness like a return to that charming superman that i love and i think you love too brian that yeah i i I think that would be great i'd like to see that that's for sure i'd like to see cavill have a personality yeah for sure i mean i'm not i'm not trying to be mean about it like really like man of steel was was good but like BBS, he was so fucking stoic, except for at the very end. I bl- I blame Snyder for that. I blame Snyder and Goyer, Goyer especially. I mean, you know, I it he should have had a he should have had more moments in that movie other than just action scenes. And I mean, they they missed so many opportunities in that movie. You know, where you would get in a Donner Superman film a great speech about you know truth justice in the american way oh, yeah you know yeah. he's in a courtroom standing there and i'm getting ready to hear like this amazing speech that's what i wanted and instead i got you know a lady looking at a jar of piss and then the whole thing fucking blows up i mean that was fucking <laughs> stupid i mean that was just fucking stupid fuck that and it should have been superman giving you this emotional speech and and then 
be realizing that a bomb was going to go off and then saving that guy's life and saving everybody in the courtroom. But instead, instead, you know, a lady's looking at a jar of urine, the whole fucking thing blows up. And then we just got Superman standing around there like a jackass. And then he goes to visit his mom and she's like, fuck humanity or, or not. I don't know. And, <laughs> you know, do I don't know, Clark, do whatever the fuck you want. You know, well, I mean, I think I think you're touching on something pretty important right here, Brian, because like I feel like with, you know, the Christopher Reeve Superman that we had in the same situation where we'd have seen something like him moving so fast that everybody else seemed like they were in slow motion and him trying his ass off to save everybody. And instead, all we have the, is the explosion of him just standing there. Yeah, like I, I, I don't feel connected to him like this man is above and beyond in his heart, not just in his abilities. Yeah. I need to feel that with him. Man, you know, Marvel gets Steve Rogers so right. I mean, I feel like Chris oh, Evans yeah. embodies comic yeah. book Cap, you know, and what Cap stands for in the comics. And I feel like mm-hmm. Henry Cavill, they haven't they haven't really kind of like given us what Superman resembles, you know, represents, excuse me, in the comics at all. I mean, we've got... I, I get it, man. He's like new to the job. You know, he hasn't been on the job that long. But Jesus Christ, I mean, a lot of people are dying on under your, you know, under your watch here, Chief. You know, um, yeah. you know, got courtrooms blowing up, and fuck, you, Metropolis was destroyed in the last movie. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I thought I, I was hoping that Batman versus Superman was going to be more of uh, more of an intimate story about Batman and Superman, and we were going to get a lot more Superman kind of uh, being the hero and, and things like that. And Superman was a better detective in that movie than uh, than Bruce was. I mean, yeah, <laughs> he, was. he was. He Especially was. in some of the deleted scenes that were in the extended edition mm-hmm. where he actually goes to the housing project looking for that lady who gave the uh, the report. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's one of the bits that in the extended edition that I, that I liked because it shows him with a personality outside of just the powers. Yeah. I mean, I... You know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know how they can write the, how they can steer the ship, um, to fix everything. I, I hope they do. I am not, I don't know. I'm not looking forward to Aquaman the movie at all. Not, not at all. <laughs> you don't want to see Jason Momoa hold his breath for an hour and a half? I can't wait. That's amazing. I, you know, I'm going to go to the theater and hold my breath until I pass out. And then. <laughs> That's the only way to see it. I agree. <laughs> I, you know, I'm not looking forward to it all. Visually, it, it could be amazing. I mean, it could be amazing. I mean, they're filming it underwater. It could be amazing visually. But you know what? If I want to see something that's amazing visually, I'll go watch Planet Earth on HDTV or some shit. You know, I, I, you know, I want, I want good story and I want good acting. And I haven't seen enough good acting out of Momoa to get me excited about an Aquaman movie. Yeah, the, the stuff that I saw out of him in uh, the uh, trailer for it. I mean, yeah, we get to see him talk some, but I, I just I have a hard time putting my finger on him. You know, I, it's just I don't know what to expect. No, watch Frontier. Watch watch a couple episodes of Frontier. Oh my gosh. And get back to me. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm not ex- I'm not excited for Aquaman at all either. I mean, it, it, you know, am I right? Frontier was to Frontier was freaking horrible. Okay, so if he can't hold a Netflix series, how is he going to be able to hold a big budget film like that? Oh, I'm not arguing. I don't He's, think I, I'm not excited about it at all. I know I, exactly. <laughs> it's it's one of those things where it's like 
I, I understand you, you've cast Willem Dafoe. You've cast um, some other, uh, you know, uh, who is uh, Nicole Kidman. I mean, Willem Dafoe, Nicole Kidman, they are going to try to use these veteran actors to carry this Jason Momoa throughout the entire film. And, like, that's what that's what Marvel – I'll be honest with you. That's what Marvel tried to do with Thor. They got Anthony Hopkins. They got Natalie Portman. They got some big names in there because they didn't know if Hemsworth was going to be the draw. And um, Hemsworth has worked out quite well for Marvel, and he's been a pretty damn good Thor. So I just – and that's what they're trying to do here, but – I don't know. I don't know. You still gotta love your main character, and I'm just like, I, I'm honestly, I'm not excited about this tattooed, badass looking Aquaman. I thought it made sense at first, but I, I honestly think that you could go back. I mean, I think you can cast like, um, I'm not Charlie Hunnam. I, I don't know. There, there's some other actors that you could. It's you not could've. gonna be Hunnam. Hunnam had an article that came out a couple weeks ago that said he has absolutely zero interest in ever doing a superhero movie. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think you could have cast. Yeah. I think you could have cast somebody different than Momoa. And I mean, you know, they're they're putting the cart before the horse. I mean, they're, they're you know, this Ray Fisher comes from a theatrical background, and he hasn't done any like big films or anything like that. And here they they cast him as cyborg, and it's like fuck. Let's give this guy a movie. It's like Oprah. Everybody gets a fucking movie, you know. <laughs> and uh, you get a movie. You get a movie. Shit, you know. And I don't know. DCU's all over the place. I hope they they can fix this, and I hope Wonder Woman's good. Um, Gafford, I know you got to get going soon. You got to hop out now. Yeah, I got to get rolling. Okay, we're uh, Gafford. Um, you got to go. We're gonna take a break. Come back to do Star Wars nudes, but uh, Star Wars nudes. What the fuck? All yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> Here's me dressed as Obi Wan Kenobi with my cock out. Anyway, um, <laughs> job of the slut. <laughs> job of the slut. Uh, Star Wars. The Emperor likes that. Um, let's see here. <laughs> Gafford, thank you so much for joining us. Where can our listeners get more of Jared Gafford? Uh, I've got two podcasts, one called the Joe Schmo Comic Show. Um, both of them are, and then another one called Flix Picks. Uh, Joe Schmo Comic Show is kind of a comic book culture podcast. So we talk about comics, we talk about the movies, TV shows, all that good stuff. And then Flix Picks is a Netflix review podcast. So we actually, our most recent episode, we talked about the, uh, new Jason Siegel movie, The Discovery, um, with Robert Redford. And then we also talked about 13 Reasons Why. So if you want to listen to those, go check them out. Cool. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to listen to that 13 Reasons Why episode. Yeah, wanna, do it. Yeah. <laughs> Good shit. All right. Um, C2E2 in two weeks. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm excited. Oh my god, Woo-hoo. C2E2 in two weeks. That's crazy. Yeah. All two- four of us are gonna be together then. Yeah, yeah that's we true. Will be. Nuts. Um, I am. Uh, yeah, we're not. Um, just to let everybody know, we're not gonna have an episode. That week on PCL, mm-hmm. I'm not do- I'm not recording. I'm not recording one. Not yep. doing it. So just heads up. So, all right. all right. Thank you, Gafford. Thanks, guys. All right, we'll be right back. What? All right. Yeah, we're back. Yeah, we are. And Jared left us. So, thank God. Am I right? <laughs> Worst two hours of my whole life. Oh my God. <laughs> I love you, 
Jared. He has me on, he has me on Joe Schmo sometimes. So I have to say that. <laughs> uh, I always just fuck. I always like having Jared on. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, I, I, you know, I, I'm on Facebook. I, I'm not really on Facebook, but I have a Facebook so I can do the pop culture leftovers page. I'm not really on Facebook and I, I don't want to be a part of Facebook. I'm just, I just hate Facebook. But anyway, one of the, you ever see, have you guys seen this video pop up on Facebook of, uh, of the, uh, it's like the, the hot dog daiquiri or whatever. <laughs> have you seen this? Hot dog daiquiri? Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it sounds no. disgusting. It is disgusting. It's like this hot dog mixed drink or some shit. And what they do is they take like hot dogs and uh, they, they like, I don't know, they uh, they boil them in the water. So you get like the hot dog water, the hot dog juices. Uh, oh. And then you see them <laughs> pour it in the, uh, the the hot dog water. They pour it in like an ice cube tray. They freeze it. And and then and then they 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 crush the cubes and they and they pour it in like a little martini glass and then uh, they take a hot dog and a straw they poke a straw down the hot dog and pull it out so that there's like a little hollow hole through the hot dog and that's your straw for this drink. This is the stupidest thing ever. It's on. Terrible. It's disgusting. It's a fucking video. I'll post it on our. I'll post it on PCL's page if I can remember. It's fucking gross. Who's gonna Who's gonna drink that shit? Somebody's really into fucking hot dogs. <laughs> I guess that's a good answer. Can't get enough. Just need somebody to drink it too. Yeah, I think our target audience is uh, people that are really fucking into hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm picturing one of those like terrible infomercials like you know the ones where like people can't like do everyday tasks like they're oh, yeah. dropping some and they're like I just can't get enough hot dogs and they're <laughs> dropping hot dogs all over the place if they're trying to put it in some... their mouth they keep hitting their cheeks and missing <laughs> yes. their mouth oh, if only there was some easier way to drink hot dogs Oh no! I love it when they do that. Yeah, that's the best. That's the best. Yeah, hot dogs falling all over the place. Oh no! I mean, I guess if it's between this and a hot dog water enema, I guess I'd probably take this. Oh, why would those be your only two choices, Frank? Well, you got to get it in you somehow. Apparently, people are trying to think this shit up. You got to stay ahead of the curve. All right, and that's I don't know why we have you on this show, Frank. I really don't. <laughs> I, I question it every week. Uh, let's see here. Uh, let's move into uh that was hot dog news. Let's move into Star Wars news. <laughs> Listening to Pop Culture Leftovers Podcast. That's not true. That's impossible! Uh, real quick, I'm going to talk about, you know, a Star Wars Episode Eight. we've heard rumors that there's going to be like a casino planet that they filmed in Dubrovnik, and it looks like, according to MakingStarWars.net, that the planet has a potential name, and it's called Canto, uh, Canto Bite according to their sources. And it also looks like that Benicio, uh, Benicio Del Toro's character might be connected to the planet. 
and it's possible that Finn and Kelly Marie, uh, Kelly Marie trans character, who's been nicknamed Rose, might be breaking him out of jail. I guess there were actors on the set that were playing uh, Canto Bite Police, and they have reason to believe that uh, a Canto Bite Jail set was created for the film. Uh, they went on to talk about Del Toro's character, saying he looks kind of he he wears all black. He has a trench coat on it with a uh, Han Solo style belt, and he holds a blaster. His hair short, and he looks kind of like uh, slimy and uh, he he just he, he you know he, he just uh, looks kind of like a shady criminal underworld type character. And they also said though his ship. Is really fancy, and the interior looks like um, it looks really nice. And so they're thinking that maybe he kind of they don't they're not sure if maybe he like is he trying to make himself look all grungy and slimy so that he, he he's trying to fool everybody because in all actuality he is like an expert gambler, and that's why he's on this Canto Bite planet. So I don't know. And oh, like he's pulling a hustle? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So it's like you look at him and it's like, ah, this guy doesn't look like much. And then he gets back to his ship and it's like this really nice ship. And they say it kind of looks like a nice hotel. And it's got like, okay. uh, you know, uh, it's all, uh, you know, it's real nice. It looks kind of like uh, like, in, like in Star Trek when you walk into like the – um, the Enterprise in like the new films, it just looks really nice as opposed to like the dingy, you know, Millennium Falcon. So, oh, like it's all shiny and shit, like an Apple store. Yeah, I think that this could be a really fun character. Um, the way they're kind of, if it's all true, I don't know if any of this is true, but if they kind of set it up that way, I think this could be a really fun character. And I guess maybe Finn and, and, um, Kelly Marine trans character, they got to break him out of this jail possibly. And I don't know how they're going to use him or how he's going to come into play. But I think this is a lot more interesting than just making him kind of like a, a new villain as far as like a dark side villain. I think this is a this is very cool. I think we've got our dark side villains. We've got, you know, Kylo Ren and Snoke. Let's keep it that way. I think this is more interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, not everybody has to be an evil Sith Lord. We could just have characters that are do other things. Yeah, and and like and and a you know a character that's going to work with John Boyega's character of Finn. You know, it doesn't have to be like, you know, oh Benicio del Toro is going to be like the villain for Luke Skywalker to take on at the end of this movie. You know, right? So I think he could be. Are they? Go go ahead. Are are they like painting him like like this version, like this trilogy's version of Lando Calrissian? You think? I was thinking more of. I was thinking more of Hondo. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, yeah. But I don't I don't know. I don't know, you know. Are are we ever going to get more Lando? Are they going to address Lando in these films and not I'm not talking he's been addressed in I think the novels, the new books coming out, but are they going to do something with him in these movies? I would like, like to see too. him. I want to see Lando Calrissian. I I would love to. I don't know I I I don't know why they haven't done it yet, but I'd like to see some some Lando in, in these trilogies. Yeah, oh, for yeah, sure. Yeah, me too. It'd be nice. I mean, especially you know, we Han's gone, and I mean, you know, unfortunately, you know, Carrie Fisher passed away. It'd be nice to see some more legacy characters in these movies. Yeah. yeah. So you know, bring back Lando. Let's get that change.org up or that hashtag trending <laughs> or something. 
So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing who Benicio Del Toro is going to be playing in these movies. So I can't wait. I can't wait for Star Wars Episode Eight: Last Jedi. Um, Princess. It's be amazing. Yeah. Uh, Princess Leia Star Wars news came from the New York Daily News dot com. And uh, here's the here's the article. The late Carrie Fisher will make an appearance from beyond the grave in the final Star Wars movie of the new trilogy. Her brother Todd Fisher tells Confidential, after months of speculation about Carrie's future in the sci-fi saga, Todd has revealed that Disney bosses want to bring Princess Leia back for Episode Nine. And he said he and Carrie's Aww. daughter, Billy Lord, have granted the studio rights to use recent footage for the finale. It is understood that CGI will not be used to recreate Leia. Uh, here's quotes from Todd Fisher. Both of us were like, yes, how do you take her out of it? And the answer is you don't. She's as much as part of it as anything, and I think her presence now is even more powerful than it was, like Obi-Wan when the saber cuts him down and he becomes more powerful. I feel that's what's happened with Carrie. I think the legacy should continue. To what extent Leia will figure into the storyline is not clear. Um, he says, I'm not the only part in that equation, but I think the people deserve to have her. She's owned by them. You don't mess with this legacy. It would be like rewriting the Bible to me. Um, uh, Star Wars is the holy grail of storytelling and lore, and you can't mess with it. So basically they're saying that you know, we all knew that she was going to be in episode eight and they first said, you know, we were wondering like, what are they going to do? Are they going to write her out of the story? And we found out that they're not, that they're not going to write her out of the story. They're not going to let, you know, Carrie Fisher's death affect the story that they had in episode eight. So they're not like working in a death into that film. So we were all wondering like how they were going to address it in episode nine. It sounds like they are going to address it in episode nine, but they are going, mm -hmm. she is going to be in the movie. And they're going to be using – what are they doing? Are they going to go the route of the crow? Are they going to be using you know, unused footage and stand-ins? That's what it sounds like from, from the, quote, the article you just read. Right. That it sounds like they're going to use like un, unused footage and I, I think that's okay as long as they don't go the CGI route. I really, oh, I feel like that would be so disrespectful. That they've said that they're not, yeah. and and, that, and that's yeah. Todd Fisher had he gave them the okay to do it, and he says CGI. He's basically saying it sounds like him and you know Billy Lord said you can do it, but no CGI. Right, right. So they're going to have to be really creative. On how they do it. Yeah, with what she filmed already. Yeah, they're going to use unused footage. I mean, we saw, you know, like the movie The Crow, they used stand-ins for, you know, um, Brandon Lee. And they reused footage in The Crow. Mm -hmm. Right. When you're watching The Crow, when he is going back, when he comes out of the grave and he's He's uh, going back to where they lived, him and his fiance. When he's going back to where they lived, there's a scene where it's raining outside and he opens a door and you see all this rain behind him. Well, when he opens up the door to like their apartment, there's also – it's the same shot and there's still rain behind him. Mm -hmm. um, they reuse that same shot. I don't know – I don't think that they're going to be doing – 
they're going to be doing some things like that here where I think that they're going to use unused footage of her to make scenes that she never really filmed. And they're also going to be finding like body doubles and using stand-ins and things like that, which they did in The Crow. They found a body double for Brandon Lee, which the body double for Brandon Lee in The Crow was an African-American guy. Believe it or not. Oh wow! Yeah, they just. Oh really? Yeah, they superimposed his face over this guy's body. Yeah. Oh wow! But um, I think they're going to be doing that a lot here. They're going to re- Disney's really going to have to be creative with this to make it look good. And I mean, because she she didn't film anything for episode nine, guys. So right, right. This is a this is quite the task. I mean, it, it, it makes sense only because if you don't do something like this, then that means you either have to change the ending to eight, which they said that they're not going to do, mm-hmm. or you have to kill her off screen on episode nine. Right. Like in, in, in the crawl, you know, oh, Princess Leia was on this ship and it blew up and she sadly died. Like, it's it, it, one of those things that hard to please the fans but i think that if they work on pleasing the family first i think that that's the most appropriate thing in this situation yeah yeah absolutely and it sounds like the family loves what she did for star wars and they want to see her character get the proper ending in episode nine however that whatever that is yeah yeah so do you think that we are going to get a Force Ghost Carrie in Episode Nine. Hmm. I know she's not. We haven't seen a lot of. We haven't seen her use the Force. Really. Only just a little bit in Empire, where she sensed where Luke was at. Yeah, and then she sensed Han's death in Force Awakens. Yeah. I mean. So. Man, that's a stretch for her to come back as a Force Ghost. Yeah, but like, like, even if she was connected to it, she wasn't trained at all. I know, but like, how emotional would that be? That's true. Oh, that would be. Man, oh god, that would that wreck. Would very, yeah, that would be tears flowing. Yeah, and I about fell apart at the end of. Uh, fuck, um, shit. Re- uh, Rogue One. Rogue One. Thank you, damn mm-hmm. it. When uh, you saw her face, and that was just after she passed away. That mm-hmm. had destroyed me. Yeah. I mean, they could. I mean, they could go either way. I mean, if they did make a force, go- and I'm not saying they are. I'm just. I'm throwing it out there as an idea. Um, but if they used young Carrie Fisher footage, you know, and we saw a young, younger version of Carrie, because we, you know, that's that's kind of like how we remember in the Star Wars universe when we think of Princess Leia, we think of you know oh, younger. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I wonder how they would do the dialogue then, though, because. Uh, she had kind of a raspy voice there in her later years as opposed to when she was younger, just, you know, because her voice matured. I'm not saying that we have to see Force Ghost Carrie carrying on a conversation with somebody. Oh, you just want to see her? Yeah. I mean, you know, like at the, okay. yeah, at the end of Jedi, it's not like uh, Yoda and Obi-Wan and Anakin are, you know, yammering <laughs> on to Luke about, you know, hey, man, you know, hey, what's up, dude? It, they're just all kind of like looking at him and smiling, you know? Yeah. yeah. If, if they did that... I, I I don't know like the official rules of like Star Wars lore how it all works, but uh, if they did that, like it's just a scene of her just showing up, kind of smiling. I that would be like that would just that 
that would break me. I would cry right there in the theater <laughs> for sure. It's it's it would be very emotional. Yeah, and very sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, that would be <laughs> very emotional. Very emotional scene. I think uh, there wouldn't be a dry eye in the theater. To be quite honest oh, with no. you, no, uh, right? You know, if you go, especially if you know, I'm going to go opening night, and that's you know, when you go opening night, that's typically when the diehard Star Wars fans. Are, are there to see it. So, um, it's mm-hmm. always a really cool experience to go to oh, yeah. a Star Wars movie opening night. But yeah, um, I don't know. This is, this is good news though, right? I mean, I, I think it's good news. I mean, we got, I, I think so too. Yeah. I, I think it's good news because we don't get an off screen death, but we're not getting CGI Leia, which I didn't want. And, I think this is a happy compromise. Yeah, they'll use they'll, they'll use this unused footage that it's already been shot, and so it's not like they're. I mean, they they did something really similar when when Paul Walker died uh, in the middle of of filming the last Fast and the Furious movie. Yeah. You know, they they used his 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 brothers as stand-ins, and they they just reshot a lot of stuff, and and they were creative with the footage to you know honor his his memory, and I think that Disney will do the same thing here. That's that's what I want. I'm I'm really anxious to see how they pull it off. I'm really anxious. To, I'm not worried that it's going to be distasteful. I don't think that at all. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm really anxious to see how they're going to pull it off. Because um, I, I think it is going to be I think it is going to be very respectful. I mean, the family's behind it. I can't see the family getting yeah. behind this. If that's their mother for crying out loud. So right, you know, I, I think that this is this is good news for Star Wars fans and. I just want to see how Disney pulls this off because this is a huge, huge task. But I think Disney is up to the task, and I can't wait to see because they've got some creative people, you know, working for Disney and Lucasfilm. So I can't wait to see how they do this. It's it's unfortunate. I guess we'll always wonder. Hopefully, there'll be new stories to let us know if this is the how they intended to handle the character, you know, through Episode Nine originally. I mean, it it would be kind of heartbreaking to find out that, like, you know, oh, their their plan all along was that Leia was going to survive through Episode Nine or something like that. So, mm-hmm. but because, um, yeah. but you never can. Um, but man, that's out of our hands. That's you know, that's out of our hands. And um, yeah, looking forward to Episode Eight and Nine. This is, I think, it's good news. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Doesn't doesn't sound like they've had to do any massive rewrites or anything. They figure out a way around it. Yeah, they didn't have to rewrite anything for eight. They're they're going with it. They're letting eight. They're letting eight just uh, to play out the way that it was supposed to be played out. So that's cool. That's cool. That is all I got, people. That is it for this week. All right, wowzers. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Jeez. Everybody's just drained. You're like, hey, yeah. <laughs> No, let's talk for three more hours. Dig up some more news, Brian. No, honestly, if I if I talk for another fucking ten minutes with you guys, I'm gonna be a force ghost by the end of this damn thing. <laughs> 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 you guys are gonna have to find a stand in for me. Fuck. <laughs> um All right. Hey, uh Frank, uh are you are you doing you're not doing the show next week, are you? No, my uh, Easter plans changed, so I'm going to be going hanging out with the wife's family. Yeah, uh, up north next week. Shit. So we got a show yeah. next week. I don't, hopefully, Jake will be back. Um, 
And then uh, the week after that, I'll be at C2E2, so you're going to be without us that week. After this show, they're just like, fuck, take take the next two weeks off, shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just listened to that. That's it. It's over. <laughs> hey, hey, Rebecca, if people want to listen to more of you, where can they go and how can they find you? Uh, well, if you uh, listen to Leftover Army podcast, I do a regular show called Ladies of the Leftover Army, or Lola, as we've been called. Uh, I have a different guest on every week, and we talk about uh, sometimes issues that are related to women in the movies and comics, and uh, we're currently doing a series of podcasts about movies directed by women. So you can check us out there by downloading the Leftover Army podcast app. Um the app the leftover army podcast um we don't have an app um and i'm on social media dollface rebecca is my is my name over there on instagram and twitter all right uh thank you so much for this is the first time on the show and you know (laughs) after this you're probably gonna be "Ah, that's my last time on that show my god (laughs) (laughs) I, i i was actually surprised that the ice cream truck did not make an appearance tonight but uh you never know. Maybe next time it will. Oh my gosh! Yeah, the ice ice cream. <laughs> I, what is it? Ice cream truck? Gunshots and ice cream, or whatever. I don't know. Yep. Yeah, that was it. Gunshots and ice cream trucks. Yeah. Um, it's quiet in my neighborhood tonight. No ice cream trucks. No gunshots. I don't know what's going on over here. This sounds like a badass name for a podcast. Gunshots <laughs> and ice cream. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's what I, I think. I should have called the episode that. It should have christened that episode. Gunshots and ice. <laughs> ah, whatever the hell. I don't know. Let's wrap this bitch up. All right, guys. We will see you back next week for episode 183. Thank you again, Rebecca, for joining us. And we are out. Bye. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and it's all that. It's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftover. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftover. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and with the shaft the crap, even though we're the shit. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over counterculture, push over pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent 